Allison Chains has a song titled Last of My Kind. My guest today could very well be the last of his kind. Sure, there are some players today that fill the enforcer role, but the route that they took to get to the NHL could never match the route that my guest took to get to the NHL. Truly one of the last of the old school warriors, today I present to you Eric Bolton. Nystrom, Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The puck drops and Bob Just a minute, Al Arbor has won mm-hmm. four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. Welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box. I'm your host, Joe Lazito. Uh, If this is your first time listening, welcome aboard. Uh, So happy to have you. Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you have a chance, go back into the archives. This is episode number 23, but there's probably 30 or so episodes because I've had a couple of two-part episodes. I've had one three-part episode. And uh, so there's plenty of material for you to listen to if you're new to the program. And if you're a listener who is a uh, continual listener, a repeat listener, thanks for coming back. I really appreciate it. Uh, Along those lines, if you are listening to this, if you could do me a favor, could you please hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. And if you have a minute, could you please rate and review the show? Um, I keep saying I'm going to look into this, but I never do. And next thing I know, it's the following week and I'm doing another one of these intros. I'm I'm guessing, and I've heard other people say it, if uh, you get uh, more ratings and more reviews, uh, I guess your show pops up with their algorithms. Uh, when people are searching for podcasts, I guess mine would uh, pop up more in the hockey category. Um, and, you know, it can only help the show grow. And I know I have some pretty hardcore listeners out there, and I appreciate it. If you haven't rated or reviewed the show, if you wouldn't mind doing that for me, that would really be great. Uh, also, If you're not following me on social media, please do so. I will reciprocate. On Twitter, my handle is at Joe underscore Lozito. And the show Twitter is at Kali Sin Bin Pod. Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box uh, wouldn't fit for the at. So I went with at Kali Sin Bin Pod. Um, Easy for me to say. So um, if you don't mind, please give both of those a follow. I will follow you back. And, uh, again, it's only stuff like that, that will, uh, follows and retweets and replies and conversations. It'll bring more awareness to the show. It'll help grow the show. And, uh, that would be great. 
If you're on Facebook and you want to follow the show's page on Facebook, that's facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles podcast. I'm also on Facebook with uh, my personal page, but um, while you've scrolled through your Facebook feed, it's pretty much, I would imagine, a lot of political bullshit, so I pretty much don't keep up with my personal page, but I do keep up with the podcast page, so if you want to give that a like or a follow, I'm not, I think it's a like, I honestly don't know uh, on Facebook, uh, I've had it for a few years, but I'm still pretty much a noob. Instagram, I do not have a separate show account. It's just my personal account, but pretty much everything I post on there is about the show. And my Instagram handle is Joseph underscore Lozito. So if again, if you follow me, I will follow you back. So uh, last week, I guess, was the first week, maybe first full week where uh, the merchandise was available. The Coliseum Chronicles merchandise. And uh, I had a couple of friends, Tom and Steve, posted last night on Twitter that they ordered and received their shirts. They sent pictures. It still blows my mind. I, I Anyone that has ordered something, uh, thank you so much. It blows my mind that my face and my logo is going to be worn by people and seen by wherever these people go. And, um, you know, like I said, that only helps grow the show also. Uh, I really appreciate that. If you're interested in Coliseum Chronicles merchandise, and like I've said a million times already, uh, there's t-shirts, there's tank tops, uh, there's leggings, there's socks, um, there's banners, there's towels, there's onesies. Uh, there's 22 products in all. And I, I've actually designed a mask. and uh, But I'm not putting that up for sale yet because I, uh, I ordered one for myself. I want to see how it comes out before I put it up there because if it comes out like crap, I don't want anyone wasting money on it. Um, so this way you can wear a mask, uh, and, and by the way, here's my political statement of the day, because of course everything nowadays is political and, uh, Dean likes when I get political. Uh, so here's my political statement of the day. I'll segue from the masks. Um, there are a lot of people on social media that are telling people to wear their masks and it's ham and eggers like myself up to celebrities. And I did air quotes to people in politics, everybody. Wear your mask, wear your mask, wear your mask. Well, there are other people who do not want to wear a mask. And if you haven't learned by now that one side is not going to listen to the other side. So all these people, we're, we're months into this pandemic already. So you going on and on and on about wearing a mask, if the people you're directing that to are not wearing a mask by now, you're not going to change their mind because chances are you guys are on opposite sides of the fence about everything. So you are the last person they're going to listen to. I don't disagree with you. I wear a mask, okay? I'm a 49-year-old, overweight, asthmatic, with scar tissue on one of my lungs. I'm high risk. I wear a mask. Do I like it? No. Okay? And I'm not a lunatic. I don't wear it in my car when I'm alone. But when I go places... I wear a mask if I because and, and let's face it, most places here on Long Island where I go, I can't go in without a mask. So I don't have a choice. If I want to buy groceries, I have to wear a mask. If I want to buy an egg sandwich, I have to wear a mask. If I want to get a coffee, I have to wear a mask. So they're kind of making the choice for me. But like I said, I myself am considered high risk. I wear a mask. I'm not going to preach to someone who doesn't want to wear a mask to wear a mask because I don't want anyone to preach to me. So for those of you who can't help yourself, and are constantly telling others to wear a mask, they're not listening. If anything, they're going to do the opposite. 
So save yourself some time. But anyway, I digress. A mask will hopefully soon be on, available at the Coliseum Chronicles merchandise store. If you'd like to visit the store, it is teespring.com slash stores slash Coliseum hyphen Chronicles hyphen merch. The easiest thing is to just go to my social media or in the description of this podcast that you're listening to right now, there'll be a link there. You can click right on it. But if you like a challenge, go back and rewind what I just said the web page is and put it in your browser and uh, enjoy yourself. Get yourself uh, a, a onesie for your kid or get your get your significant other a tank top, uh, T-shirt, whatever, socks. I'm waiting for someone to order socks. Um, but honestly, if you go there and you buy anything, thank you. It's still mind-blowing to me. You guys are the best, the absolute best. I love each and every one of you. Um, and like I said, once I get my sample mask, if the mask is, uh, if it looks pretty good, I will put masks up there also because who the hell knows when we'll be done with all this stuff. The store and the merchandise itself is made available because of one man, and that is Joe Marisich. Joe is the artist behind my logo. Uh, Joe, you can reach Joe at GraphicsJoker on Twitter and at LoudEgg.com. Joe is a local Long Island artist. If you're on social media and you follow any one of the local New York teams, you bet your ass you've seen some of his stuff because everyone forwards it, uses it. Uh, even on those weird uh, Facebook things like the quilts that you get, like uh, there was an Islander quilt, and uh, it, basically they stole all the panels from wherever there was uh, a panel, I think, of his famous Barry Trotz drawing. And I think that was on there. And, of course, they didn't ask him for permission. But, like I said, if you're a fan of a New York team, you've probably seen his art. And you know how fucking good he is. So, uh, thanks again, Joe, for doing my logo. Of course, I have to promote some of the boys that do similar shows to mine. Uh, we're in the same genre. They're, um, they're uh, subjects are a little bit wider than mine as I stick pretty much the Islander organization. They, uh, they interview anyone that's dropped the gloves. Uh, the OG, the original gangster of the fight podcast world is fourth line voice. Uh, Darren, uh, Darren just released his from the vault episode with Jason Goulet. That's a good one. Uh, I would definitely tune into that. Also, if you search for fights on YouTube, you're probably watching Darren's channel, fourth line voice on YouTube. Uh, I think he said he's got over 2,000 fights on there now. So chances are, if you're listening to this show, you've already uh, been on his YouTube page. Uh, keep going, though. Let's get some views up. And uh, I mean, he doesn't need me to promote that. I'm sure he's got a shit ton of views. But definitely check out Fourth Line Voice Podcast with Darren. Bobby Longress and the Bucket Drop Podcast. Bobby, uh, his latest guest, I don't know. Uh, he's a, He talks too much, but... Actually, that was me. Uh, we released, well, we released, it's Bobby's show. Bobby released part one of two where we discuss uh, top 10 Islanders enforcers. Um, I tend to run at the mouth a little bit, as you know. So uh, we recorded for a while. He had to break it up into two parts. So the episode that's up right now is part one with Islanders 10 through 6. And I assume part two will be released at some point this week. Uh, give Bucket Drop Podcast a listen and uh, Bobby does a good job there. Five for Fighting podcast with Alec Olin Salen. Alec just did an episode on the anniversary, uh, unfortunate anniversary of Bob Probert's death. 
Uh, it was 10 years ago last week, and he did a really, really good show uh, about Proby, and he had Darren from Fourth Line Voice on there to discuss it, and he had uh, Mrs. Probert, Danny Probert on there, um, talking about her husband and a lot of, and Danny is, she's pretty out, out there in terms of being willing to talk about Bob. Uh, I, I, you know, you never know how some people will react to a tragedy like losing a spouse, but, um, you know, and I don't know how it was in the beginning, but I know Danny, there's plenty of stuff out there. There's plenty of interviews with Danny and, and Alec just did an amazing one and she's a great guest. And, um, you know, I know a few hockey wives, I know one in particular who's trying to pull the wool over your eyes right now, but uh, Danny is not that one. Danny seems like a, a terrific lady, and uh, her and Alec, they, they talk like they were old friends, and of course, it's a subject that we can all appreciate, uh, Bob Probert and some of the good times they had, and uh, it's a fun listen. I mean, it's, it's an unfortunate listen because of why he did the show, you know, Bob's passing, but definitely a fun listen, and uh, I would highly recommend you tuning into that. And if you're on Facebook, hold on. <clears throat> excuse me if you're on facebook alec is the creator and moderator and emperor of the enforcer appreciation page and i've touted that uh for quite some time now and uh it's actually one of the few things i actually look at it on facebook um you know there's a lot of good guys on that page and uh we're all there for uh you know the common good it's just uh we appreciate the enforcers it's really that simple so it's definitely a page that uh, i would recommend if you are on facebook definitely uh take a look at that so as far as uh news of the week right now um in case you haven't heard in case you're living under a rock hockey is back uh the islanders come back on august 1st and then of course they don't play for a couple of days uh until uh, i think august 4th but uh something to look forward to um because i don't really watch any other teams i can't really give you a prediction other than I'm expecting the Islanders to win the Stanley Cup, and anything less than that would be a disappointment. So um, obviously there are plenty of people out there who know more about the other teams than I do, but if you're not playing to win, then what's the point? So uh, I'm expecting a Stanley Cup parade down Hempstead Turnpike this year, and um, yeah, so uh, watch for that. Hopefully that happens. And <clears throat> I'm going to talk about something a little more serious. Uh, if you're in New York... I mean, you don't have to be in New York, but chances are if you're in New York, you saw footage yesterday. Um, there was an incident on a subway where this maniac uh, brutally attacked these two gentlemen, stabbed them multiple times. And, um, you know, you've heard me talk about how I don't really watch the news anymore or read the newspapers. But uh, when something like that happens, it's pretty inevitable that uh, I'm either going to scroll past it or, as is, as was the case, uh, a few people had... Uh, tagged me in posts or sent it to me uh, via DM asking me if I had seen it. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it, it, like for me personally, um, obviously it brings back, uh, it brings back some memories, but to actually watch it go down, you know, watch it happen to someone else. It's, it's, it's unnerving, you know, and uh, it's unnerving that nobody tried to help them. And, um, you know, I think the police arrested him, but, you know, the fact is, you know, if if he is arrested, I, I, which I'm pretty sure he is, when they grabbed him, they should have put a bolt in his head, just like uh, if I didn't have two cowardly cops on the train that day with me, uh, if they would have arrested Maxim Gelman, they should have put a bolt in his head. But this guy yesterday, 
I really don't care what his situation is. What I know is what I saw in the video. He stabbed two people who weren't doing anything except minding their own business and going from point A to point B. So um, this animal that stabbed these two guys, yes, I wish they would have put a bullet in his head. But, um, you know, <clears throat> if you live in New York with all the stuff that's going on here, I I've said this a million times since everything happened to me. I'm actually surprised stuff like that didn't happen more often. I mean, I say it all the time when I'm on the subway and we are absolutely crowded. I mean, loaded, just loaded. I mean, you smell the person next to your breath or their pits or anything like that. It's disgusting. And you're that close to someone. A person, a deranged person can really do some damage in a short amount of time on a New York subway or in Penn Station during rush hour. I'm actually surprised that this doesn't happen more often. But with the way things are going right now in New York City, I, unfortunately, I'm not sure this is the last that we're going to see of something like this. So um, anyone going to New York City, just be careful because it really is. The mayor is turning New York City into Thunderdome, and um, it's a real shitty place to be right now. It's actually reminding me of the New York City that I grew up with in the 70s, uh, where it was like the Wild West. And uh, it's unfortunate. So um, I don't know. I, I was reading a few of the articles yesterday. I don't know these guys' names. And uh, I put it out on Twitter. But, of course, I'm not, I'm not anyone special. I don't have any sort of reach. But if anyone's listening and knows these guys or, or knows someone that knows these guys, uh, I know a lot of times speaking to someone who's been through an ordeal similar to what you've been through is something that could help out. And uh, I don't know these guys from Adam, but if anyone has a way of reaching out to them, I, I'm more than happy to just have a conversation with them and, and you know make sure they're okay and see what they're going through because obviously it's something I can relate to. So um, again, I don't, I don't know who's listening right now and I don't know what your uh, station is in terms of your job or whatever, but um, if anyone's listening and knows those two guys, um, I, I, Jesus, I'm more than happy to, to give them a phone call or Skype or whatever, and just see how they're doing because their lives are never going to be the same. I can tell you that from experience. So, um, <clears throat> it's a, it's a really shitty thing that happened and, uh, God bless those guys. I hope they're okay. And, uh, to the guy who stabbed them, go fuck yourself. I hope you die. Sorry. I hope you die. And I don't care if you think I'm, uh, I'm being a little bit, uh, you know, uh, ignorant or whatever. The guy stabbed two people. He tried to kill them. He doesn't deserve to live. It's as simple as that. So I, I tend to be a little extreme on this stuff. And uh, if you don't like that, I don't know what to say. But anyway, God bless those guys. I hope they're doing okay. Um, finally, let's get to my guest today. My guest today is Eric Bolton. And uh, this was a fun one for me. Um, Eric and I actually had never spoken uh, before the interview, uh, I think he's the first guest that I've had where I, I have had haven't had any sort of relationship with, and it's actually weird because he was here for a few years, and every time I would go, uh, you know, after a game or to a practice or something, for whatever reason, it just never lined up where he was available or I left before he came out or he left before I got back. It was just a very weird situation that him and I uh, never met up. But uh, obviously, he's someone that I've been a fan of for a long time, and um, it was great to finally talk to him. And, uh, I, I mean, his memory on a lot of this stuff is pretty amazing. So, I mean, sometimes you get guys and the memory is not that great, but who can blame him? It's, a lot of this stuff is decades old, so uh, who can blame them? But uh, Bolt's memory was phenomenal, 
And um, honestly, it was such a blast to uh, to do it. I could have talked to him for another hour or two. Um, sorry to see him leave Long Island. Uh, Long Island got a little less tough last week, and uh, Buffalo got a lot tougher last week with the return of Bolton. And uh, I'm kind of jealous that he's in Buffalo because uh, I love that city, and uh, you know it's a lot cheaper to live than down here. But uh, you know, uh, what can I say about the guy? Tough as nails. Uh, check out his fight card. It's uh, second to none. And um, I guess that's it. I've uh, I've wasted enough of your time. You actually tuned in today to listen to Eric Bolton. So um, I'm going to give the people what they want. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Mr. Eric Bolton. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an absolute honor to bring an interview with you tonight from one of the last true enforcers uh, in the NHL, one of the last true warriors, a guy that had a great career. And as I'm fond of saying, it makes me happy that when I look at the back of his hockey card, it says New York Islanders. Tonight, I'm happy to bring you a chat with Mr. Eric Bolton. How you doing tonight, Bolts? I'm great, Joel. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. So, Thanks for having me. Oh, man, it's a pleasure. Thank you for making time for me, man. I, I really no appreciate no it. Um, so my first question to everybody is when you were growing up and you growing up in Nova Scotia, I grew up here, uh, I grew up in Queens and grew up on Long Island. When I was out on the street playing street hockey, I was always Clark Gillies. I was always Bobby Nystrom. If I had a time machine and I went back to see a young Eric Bolton on the pond, who was Eric Bolton? Who was your favorite player? Uh, probably about three guys. I would say Mark Messier, Wendell Clark, and Bob Probert. Those are my three guys. Guys that could uh, obviously chuck them pretty good and also put the puck in the net. Those, uh, those are the guys I pretended to be. Not too bad. Not too bad. I, I, I'm partial to Wendell and Proby on that list. I'll tell you that much. But, uh, but yeah, no, not not a bad trio there. So, uh, so we're gonna start with uh, your uh, minor hockey in Cole Harbor. So I I wasn't able to find any information really. Uh, I I saw that you played for a team called the Cole Harbor Fishermen and the Cole Harbor Colts. And uh, for the Fishermen, I see that you played 44 games in 92-93. 27 points, 212 penalty minutes. So is it safe to assume that this is typical Canadian minor hockey where it's uh, it's like prepping you for major junior and sometimes it gets a little physical? Well, definitely. Back then, the uh, I played as a 16-year-old in the Maritime Junior Hockey League, and I wasn't even supposed to play. Uh, I was going to play midget AAA for the Halifax McDonald's that year. And my old peewee coach was actually coaching the Cole Harbor Colts at the time and he just invited me down in the summertime for a skate and uh, after after a skate he, he called me in he goes you want to play and I'm like no I'm not playing junior this year I'm supposed to play triple A midget <laughs> and my dad's like no you're playing first of all it saved him 1500 bucks I think and because uh, we didn't have to pay to play junior <laughs> uh, but, he, but he thought that was the right move and um, I fit in just fine I was a big kid that uh Played physical, but I really was kind of a, you know, an all-around player. I could put the puck in the net back then. But um, back then, the Maritime Junior Hockey League was all the old tough guys that couldn't make it in the O anymore. They all came down there and they got paid. Nice. So that's uh, that's when I got my first couple scraps down there, and I did well. And then they all started gunning for me. So everyone knows how tough people from the Maritimes are. And uh, before uh, before you had had played pro there were several guys who 
from Nova Scotia that, that played pro before you. Uh, guys like Phil Riley, Frank Beaton, those may be a little before your time. But then there's guys like Cam Russell, Craig Martin, Dennis Bonvey, Dougie Dowell. Um, any of those players, would you say any of those players were an influence for you? Well, I actually used to skate a little bit with Dennis Bonvey. Okay. Um, he was getting ready to go off to the OHL, and I was probably still in Pee Wee, yeah. maybe going in the Bantam. Yeah. And it's uh, a funny story. We kind of got in a little, little tussle in front of the net, and he uh, he knocked me down. I, I was scared to death of him, but yeah. I, gra- I grabbed him by his feet, and I pulled his feet up around him. Huh. And then everyone, everyone kind of came in and got uh, got in the way, and then I went to the locker room. And I was like getting out of there as fast as I could. <laughs> Probably a good move. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of followed his career uh, in the uh, in the OHL yeah. leading up to before I got there. So I kind of looked up to him, and now we're uh, we're sitting in. The, actually, we we fought a few times yeah. uh, in the minors and and in Buffalo. He's in Boston. And now uh, we're sitting in the press boxes together uh, scouting. Yeah. So, great guy. Oh, great yeah. Guy. Definitely. So I have to ask, I don't know um, if the team was around when, when you were still in Nova Scotia, but did you ever attend any Halifax Citadels games? They always had some pretty tough teams. I definitely did. I was very young. Yeah. 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 I didn't know how young you were because I didn't know if you were older maybe because they always had – a lot of tough players. I didn't know if you gravitated towards any of them, but if you were that young, then probably not. No, not really. I was yeah. pretty young when I was watching them. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then you were drafted by the Oshawa Generals. Uh, and am I correct in saying that you also could have played in the Quebec League at the time as well? Uh, yes. I was the last year the Maritime kids could choose what league they went to. Okay. So I got drafted in the Quebec Maritime uh draft by Hall um, before that I went up for a visit to Laval Bob Hartley was actually the coach oh okay and then um, you know I just with, between the English and being away from home I just figured uh, the interior league was uh, a better fit for me so ended up in Oshawa yeah I would think that for your for your style of game and I'm not even just talking about the physical aspect just the all around style you'd probably be a better fit for the OHL well, you know, there's a lot of tough guys that come to the, the queue, but I think my, my dad said it was he was leaving the decision up to me. Yeah. And I made the decision to go to the O. And years later, I was talking about it. He's like, no, if you would have chose the Quebec League, I would have made the decision for you. <laughs> 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 Nothing against the queue, but right. uh, I got a 33 in grade 9 met, or a French class, so oh. it's, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that first season in Oshawa... Uh, you played uh, 45 games. You had four goals, seven points, 149 penalty minutes, which placed you second on the team. Uh, some of the guys, uh, some of the tougher guys that you may have played with there, uh, is it uh, Rob and Jason McEwitt? Are they brothers? Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, you played with a Sean Brown, but it's not that Sean Brown. You played with that Sean Brown uh, a few seasons later. Um, so two questions. One, uh, how – how was the uh, transition from the Maritime Juniors, uh, well, the league you played in the Maritimes, to the OHL? And <clears throat> from your rookie season, what did you have any wow moments as a rookie with Oshawa? Um, well, I was a meathead back then. I was just trying to make a name for myself and fight anybody, anytime. And, 
I think it was one of my first games. Uh, we're playing Detroit, and I'm skating around a warm-up, and I'm staring down the biggest guy on the other side, and I'm doing a laps. I don't think I even have shoulder pads on at the time in warm-up, trying to play the role a little bit. Yeah. And I'm doing laps, and I start yelling at this guy, and he kind of looks at me with a funny face, and I keep doing laps, you know, patrolling the red line, being an idiot. And um, I get back in the locker room, and I'm like, to the veterans, I'm like, who's this Eric Karen's guy? <laughs> <laughs> And the guys want they, the guys knew I came from the Maritimes. They know Bobby, so they, they they haven't seen me fight before. They, they they assumed I was tough, right? So they just wanted to see me fight Karens because nobody else wanted to. Right. Um, they're like the veterans were like, oh, he's just tall. He's not tough. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like okay. So I go right for right for Aaron. He still laughs about it to this day. Yeah. If you ever talk to him, you gotta ask him about. It. But, I will. Uh, I go right for him, and I've never fought a guy that big in my life, mm. and. I was felt like I was six feet away from him. He just grabs me and just the hand, side, you know, the size of his hands. Yeah, oh yeah. It's like catcher's mitts coming at you, and he just started wailing on me. I ended up, I hung in there and ended up doing okay. So yeah. Um, but that was my first fight in the O, I think. Wow, that's a that's a tough inauguration there. Yeah, because he, he was, I think, two or three years older than me. Wow. I was wondering if that was going to end up being Karen's when you said Detroit. I'm like, I wonder if he's going to yeah. be Karen's. So, oh, very good. Um, so, at the end of that season, you found yourself drafted by the Rangers, ninth round, 234th overall. Now, my question is, um, had you spoken to any teams? Had you spoken to the Rangers? Uh, did any other teams express any interest in you? Oh, no, absolutely not. We had, uh, I think one of our Oshawa scouts was a, was a Rangers scout also. Mm-hmm. And we had plenty of guys ranked that were supposed to get drafted. Um Obviously, I'd not thinking I was going to get drafted or even contemplating it. Yeah. Um, I didn't go to the draft or anything. I was out with my buddies, um, you know. And uh, I get home one night, and I didn't even—I I honestly didn't even know the draft was going on. Yeah. And my dad gives me the phone, and it's a—it's uh, a scout from the Rangers telling me I just got drafted. And I thought it was my buddy Tim that likes to play practical jokes. So I was like, "This is bullshit, Tim." And the guy's like, no, this is so-and-so from the Rangers. I'm like, oh, okay. And my dad nods. I'm like, all right, I guess I got drafted. <laughs> but, I, uh, yeah, no. that's, the, that's the draft story. Surprised. No. That's awesome. To say the least. So uh, 94-95 was a lockout year. Uh, did you end up going to camp with the Rangers that year? Um, and if you did, what was that experience like uh, going to camp with a team coming off a Stanley Cup win? Yeah. I went to camp. Uh, I think I ended up going to three, three Ranger camps. Um, I mean, look at the the list of guys that were were there. You walk in, it's like Messier, Graves, Leach. These guys. I mean, just in awe. Yeah. Uh, Joey Kosher, guys like that. It's just, it was a uh, it was amazing. And then I think the next camp I was uh, I was there with Gresky. So let me see. I, I noted that one. Uh, let's see. I bet, I bet you didn't know this. Who played with Gretzky the whole camp? Well, I did because I heard you on the. I heard your uh, interview. With <laughs> so I didn't know that until I heard that interview. But we'll get to that. So, yeah. uh, so that first camp with the Rangers, I'm assuming you. Uh, I would imagine they did like a lot of teams. Did they separate the veterans from the rookies? I think uh, looking back, I think we might have had a couple days, and then we went right in the main camp. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, any. I know it's a long time ago, and uh, you know the camps might blend together. But that first camp, 
Uh, did you have like a like you say a starstruck moment where you look at like I said first of all they're coming off their first cup since 1940. Um, I had to get that in there by the way. Uh, first cup since 1940. Like I said, you have all these Hall of Fame players. Even you know guys like Joey Koser who's a legend uh, for for fight nerds like myself and uh, Darren Langdon is there and a guy like Jay Wells, tough defenseman. Uh, yep. Any sort of a like holy shit moment? Um. Well, there's a few, really. Yeah. First of all, um, Brad Thompson was my roommate for two weeks. Okay. So, so that was interesting because you know him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so he broke me in, but you know what? The the most memorable moment there's there's two of them really. The one where I went uh, I went toe to toe with Dale Purinton. We went we went out. It was a punch in the face contest. Nice. And then we went off. We came back out uh, in between periods. And, I think it was Kosher and Graves and a couple of guys. Uh, I was stretching on the ice and they're on the bench and they just were raving about the fight. I'm like, I can't believe these guys are talking about my fight. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So that, that was really cool. And then the other one was I came out of the rink once. My dad used to follow me around. Uh, he'd go to he'd, he'd have an Airstream trailer and he'd go around and uh, and follow me through all the, the, the pro camps. And I walk out and Adam Graves is over at his truck, is that and right? they're just chatting. And then he he was out there for like a half hour just talking to my dad. That's awesome. That shows you the type of guy Adam Graves was. Well, so, I mean, I walk out. I'm like, why is my dad? He's going to embarrass me. <laughs> but I think Graves went up to him, and they were just chat chatting for like a half hour. I was waiting for them to stop talking. Well, but uh, that was pretty unbelievable. I love you know. For me, as we were we were talking before we started recording, I have two sons and. Being a father is the most important thing to me. So when you tell me that about your dad, I think that is unbelievably awesome. That is so cool. And then when you mention the Adam Graves part, I am absolutely zero percent surprised because Adam Graves is one of the nicest human beings on the planet. So uh, so that's not surprising at all. That whole story is awesome. Yeah, he's definitely a character guy. He showed he showed it there. Yeah. He didn't he didn't have to stop and talk to my old man. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, after camp, you go back to the OHL with uh, Oshawa. You end up playing uh, 27 games. Uh, let's see, seven goals, 12 points, 125 pins. And you have a new teammate on the team, someone who uh, I haven't spoken to in a very long time, but a tough guy in his own right, Nathan Parrott. Yes, yeah, Nathan Parrott. He came in as an 18-year-old. Yeah. Um, actually, Stan Butler, uh, I think, coached him the year before. So they drafted him, they brought him in, and uh, he actually kind of pushed me down the lineup a little bit. They were playing him a ton. That's why pretty much halfway through the season, uh, I got traded. Well, that, that was one of my questions, what led to the trade to Sarnia. So you think Parrot on the team was uh, one of the precursors to you being traded? Well, a little bit, but um, the story goes like this. We had three guys get traded probably a week or two to Sarnia before I got traded. Okay. And do you know Dennis Maxwell well? Uh, I've never met him, but I'm aware of his resume. Okay, so he was a tough guy for Sarnia, mm-hmm. and he had to do all the work. And he was a complainer. <laughs> and one one day he walks up in front of the bus to Mark Hunter, who was our coach in Sarnia. He's like, I'm sick of being the only guy here. We need another tough guy. We need another tough guy. And he's like, all right, who do you want? And the three guys that just got traded from Oshawa uh, prior to me, they said, get Bolts. Next day, I was on a uh, 
in a car going to Sarnia. So right. basically, Dennis Maxwell asked for asked for me, and uh, Mark Hunter made it happen the next day. Well, actually, those were two of the three guys I was going to ask you about in Sarnia. Obviously, Dennis Maxwell, anyone that follows the fight game like I do, uh, we're well aware of Dennis Maxwell. Another guy who doesn't fight as much as you guys, but would fight a little bit and be more of a little, like a, a an annoyance, is Brendan Urema. Oh, yeah. I was uh, good buddies with Brendan yeah. back in the day. Yeah, so uh, I didn't know if he had any good Brendan Urema stories. Uh, he just... <laughs> listen, he he's just a mouthpiece. Yeah. But he would back in, he would listen, he would get under everyone's skin, everyone hated him, but he would back it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but he could also put the puck in it. Definitely. So yeah, he was a good player of junior. And as you mentioned, uh Mark Hunter, uh, I believe uh he didn't start the year as the head coach there, but he did take over uh some part way into the season. I have to imagine that uh he he liked you obviously if he traded for you. Uh, did you like playing for Mark Hunter? I would imagine so. Oh, it was it was a great experience. He he was such a good coach. He, I thought I worked hard until I played for him. Yeah. He he taught me how to work really hard. So he uh, he pushed and pushed and pushed us. Um, he uh, he respected the veteran guys and let us do our thing. And he liked his uh, he liked his tough guys. Well. They have that hunter work ethic, obviously, and, uh, you know, with the hunter family, uh, you know, I'm sure that the guy that plays tough like you and, and Maxie and those guys, uh, he probably loved you guys to death. Yeah, I was I was spending the summer there at Sarnia um, just to train and stay in shape, and he invited me out to his farm one day. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go to his farm, check it out. What did he make me do? You fight? Put me, he put me to work. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Uh, want to keep they, they have the soybean farm. <laughs> no, he just—I don't know what he's doing, but he just made me work all day. It was pretty funny. Cheap labor. But no, he was—he was a big influence on me. He—he uh, he was great. So when you when you were with Sarnia, I'm assuming that uh, the rest of that season you probably had to play Oshawa at least a few times. Uh, how were those games when you would go back into Oshawa? Well, they're in the other division, so I think we only oh, okay. we only played them once, I think, okay. that year. Um, but yeah, obviously, when you go, I think the following year we we played them uh, in Oshawa. Um, obviously, when you you play your former team that trades you, you're a little more hyped up. But I don't think I got in any fights or anything. Was that in Oshawa or was it uh, home for, uh, for in Sarnia? I think it was in Oshawa. How did the fans? Did the fans like uh, welcome you back? I know. Uh, a lot of times with the tough players, you know, they if you guys get traded, you come back to the place you played. Even though you're in the other team's jersey, fans still love you. Did you get a good reception going back to Oshawa? Yeah, definitely. They had yeah. they had great fans. They loved uh, they loved their tough guys there. There was uh, nothing but respect when I went back. That's awesome. Uh, so now we get to your second camp with the Rangers. This is not the camp with Gretzky yet, but there was a guy similar to the first camp where you had a bunch of you know the legends and everything. There's another guy in this camp who is my most hated player ever. Uh, so I have to ask if you had it. Not run-ins, because obviously I'm sure you guys didn't fight. But I hope that Ulf Samuelson didn't try to take your knee out at all in camp. He did not. Good. It was, I was more concerned about Bookaboom. <laughs> what, taking your <laughs> knee out or trying to fight you? No, every time I tried to just uh, just to finish my head, my head, he'd bring a stick up and put it right in my face. Yeah, yeah. And so... Adam Graves grabs you on the bench. He goes, he does that again. Just 
beat the shit out of him. So <laughs> I went and I chased him around one shift. He never did it again. Oh, very cool. Now, I have a picture, and I don't know if it's from this camp or probably the next one, but uh, we had already mentioned that you had uh, done Jason Strudwick's show. Uh, and I know you fought him in a rookie game. I don't know if it was this this camp or uh, the camp before or after, because I have the photo. Uh, I don't know if you remember that fight with Struds. Oh, I remember it well. How'd it go? Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't really remember it because he, uh, when he mentioned it on his show, he wasn't too familiar with it. But uh, I remember fighting him behind the net, mm-hmm. and he punched me. Obviously, you know the way I fight. I take a couple to yeah. to give a couple. I like the long fights, but. He throws those quick ones over the top, and he hit me in the face probably 20 times in a row, and I just couldn't get going. Yeah. He just wouldn't stop punching me. <laughs> um, so I didn't do too well in that one. And then, obviously, the, uh, the period ended. We went went back to our locker room, and I came out with no elbow pads on, my jersey <laughs> jersey not uh, tied down, and I got out of my jersey the, uh, the second one. You can call me a cheater if you want, but um, I did better the second one. No, I uh, I will not call you a cheater. <laughs> I will say you made adjustments. How's that? Yes, that's what you can say. <laughs> so after that camp, you go you play in Sarnia. Uh, so now uh, Maxwell's gone. Brendan's still there, and the the other Sean Brown, the one that people probably associate with ho- with hockey, especially NHL, he's there. Um, now, how how was uh, how was Sean in juniors? Uh, was he was he fighting the heavyweight guys, or was that pretty much left up to you? Uh, at that point, he was more of a player. He did it a little bit more when he was younger, but he already established his name. Yeah. Um, he would definitely fight when he had to. Mm. Um, he actually had a really good one with uh, Joe Thornton when Joe Thornton was, I think, probably a sixteen-year-old. They went toe to toe in Sault Ste. Marie. Oh, nice. Yeah, Sean was a, a tough guy. He didn't have to do a, do it a lot uh, that year because he was more relied on to uh, to play the game. Yeah. Um, the only fight that I could find, and I didn't find the video, I just saw a list of list of the one fight from that year. Uh, and I, obviously, with 243 penalty minutes, you had more than one fight. Uh, and by the way, just for people listening, 43 points in 66 games. Also, by the way, but uh, the only fight I found on the fight card was Matt Odette of Kitchener. Uh, I don't know if that was anything, but I figure since it's the only fight I have listed, uh, I'd ask if you remember that one, or or if you could tell me about any other good ones that you may have had that season. Uh, which, is this my last year in junior? This is, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Matt Odette was a, was a big boy. Yes. I, I ended up fighting him in the East Coast League a couple of years later, too. Mm. Um, no, I don't really uh, recall what happened in that fight. To be honest with you, yeah, maybe you punched my lights out. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. You never know. It was a long time ago, so that's okay. That's okay. So, um, we go to camp in ninety six, ninety seven. Now, for for those of you who did not listen to the Jason Strudwick, uh, Gregor, uh, Gregor and Strudwick show when Bolts was on, uh, I found out that Bolts played on a line in this Rangers camp. With two very similar players, Wayne Gretzky and PJ Stock. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, so I was waiting for the punchline. <laughs> so yeah, it was. A, it was just we had no idea we we're going to be out there with him, and then uh, first shift, there we go, we're out there with him. Uh, pretty, is- pretty intimate, pretty intimidating. I can't even imagine what that's like. I mean, 
you it's basically you can take any profession in the world and say okay you do this but now we're going to put you with the greatest whatever that profession is go just go and do it like whether you're a doctor a librarian uh anything but here you're going to be this person oh and by the way here's the best person that's ever done it that had to be unbelievable uh I mean, there were so many times where he had the puck and I would open up or I would try to catch a pass from him and I would, you know, miss that for one time where I'd miss it and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm just embarrassing myself here. Um, but he was, he was cool. And the funny thing about Wayne is one of my last years with the Islanders in Vancouver, uh, Doug Wade had uh, Wayne in the locker room. And I'm like, oh, crap, there's Wayne, there's Wayne, there's Wayne. So I walk over to shake his hand. I go, I don't know if you remember me. He goes, yeah, I remember you. We played together in Vermont. Come on. In, in Ranger camp. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I talked to the waiter after he left. I'm like, I can't believe him. He goes, he remembers everything. Wow. That's the type of person he is. I'm like, wow. It just blew my mind. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, who was, who was uh, the better winger for him in that camp, you or PJ? Oh, definitely me. I can't give PJ any props. Because <laughs> actually, I think I, I actually think that camp I was rooming with PJ Stock. That must have been interesting. Yeah, yeah, he's a fun guy. Oh yeah, definitely. Likes to talk. I, you know I, what? We, I, I've had that we, experience. <laughs> yeah. And then we ended up fighting probably ten times. Yes, yes. Those uh, we will talk yeah. about those in a little while. Those are always fun, especially for me because I didn't get hit in any of them, but. Uh, so, um, the Rangers, I think you started the year that year in Charlotte. Um, and one of the guys who you played with down there, uh, who I believe was a player assistant coach, and it's someone that I don't think a lot of people are familiar with, but I know he was a pretty tough guy in his own right, uh, Sean Wheeler. Do you have any memories of Sean Wheeler? Yeah, Sean. Sean was the, uh, yeah, he was the player assistant. Um, great guy. Yeah. Good player, but he I never really saw him fight much though, because we had so many guys that would do it. He yeah. was he was getting a little a little bit older, so he didn't have to, but yeah, Sean was a great good player. Now, um you eventually got called up to Binghamton, but before your call up, you fought a guy twice before the call up that you ended up fighting five times that year, if I'm not mistaken. And he's a name that anyone listening to the show will know, and that's Aaron Downey, who was with Hampton Roads at the time. Uh, any recollections of Aaron Downey from that season? Yes, we we definitely went at plenty. He was uh, he was a tough cookie. Definitely. Um, playing playing for Brophy, you knew it was coming every night. Um, they had him and Joel Terrio, uh, so it was either him or Terrio. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we had some good. We definitely had some good tilts. Boy, if you had to think about two guys who were Brophy type players. Pretty much Aaron Downey and Joe Terrio fit the bill. Oh yeah, <laughs> we um, I had Terrio down on the ice, the ice in front of uh, Hampton Roads bench in Hampton Roads. Oh yeah, because Brophy hated me because I always I would always win the fights. I was always get the better of his guys, and he was leaning over the bench, yelling at me and spitting at me, <laughs> and he was just going nuts. <laughs> oh, you got yeah. red face and white hair, huh? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Man. I remember that. That's great. 
So you eventually did see some time with Binghamton that year, and uh, you met uh, you played with someone that we've already talked about, and we'll probably talk about a little later, uh, Eric Cairns. Uh, but they also had a pretty tough team up in Binghamton. I, I, I'm not sure if all these guys were there at one time when when uh, you were there, but you played with guys like Sylvain Bluen, uh, Vanden Bush. Um, a guy who, I, if you're not familiar with the American League, he kind of goes under the radar, but, I mean, he's a, a probably, I want to say, a Binghamton legend is Peter Fiorentino, who he didn't shy away from anybody. Yep. He took on, took on a lot of guys. Uh, and I believe he also played with Dan Cloutier. Yeah, he's the toughest goal I've ever played with. Definitely the craziest. Yeah, he's definitely out there, I think. But, uh, but yeah. that's a pretty tough well, squad. I, I used to play with him. Oh, man. Well, I didn't play every night, so when yeah. I got called up, sometimes I'd be in the stands, and I'd watch, obviously, Blunt, and uh, Bushy was just, I mean, yeah, you, you can't find a tougher guy than Ryan Van Bush. He right. was he was going toe-to-toe with guys that were six foot five, and mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of respect for him, and what a great guy. So, he kind of took me under his wing, Karenzy kind of took me under his wing, and so Van Blunt and those guys. So, when we were all on the line at the one time, yeah, we definitely had a tough team. Now, before I interrupted you, I think you were going to say something about Dan Cloutier. Well, Dan, I I went all the to all the Ranger camps with Dan, so we played all the rookie games against uh, Montreal. Okay. So we were going at it with uh, like Dion Darling and mm-hmm. all those guys. All the Frederick I mean, guys. Every freaking game was a brawl, <laughs> and uh, Cloutier had. I don't know. If it, I think it was a player. It wasn't it? Wasn't the other goalie? He had the guy down, and he was pounding on the guy, and he stopped. And he actually waved their trainers on the ice because he beat him up so bad. Oh, is that right? Um, yeah, because we had me, Dale Pierrotin, PJ Stock, Lisa Rokin, guys like that. Like, so every every game was a you know there was ten fights every game. Mm-hmm. And I think the the last uh, camp I was at, I was talking to the Rangers trainer. I'm like, when we play in Montreal, he goes, we're not playing this year. I'm like, why? He goes, they won't play us. Yes. I'm like, why? He goes, because of you three. <laughs> me, me, Puritan, and PJ. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, and, and you know what? In that group of three, you're probably the most sane individual there, and you've probably done some crazy things, but you're the most sane of the three, I, I would think. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm not crazy. I just did my job. <laughs> That's excellent. Now, I haven't seen any of these fights, but some of the bigger names that you fought in, uh, when you were with Binghamton, I'll just rattle off some names, and if anything clicks, uh, anything good, uh, let me know. So, uh, Christoph Oliwa with Albany, uh, Wade Belak with Hershey, uh, Kevin Sawyer, Providence, uh, Peter Lebutillier with Baltimore, and Big George Larocque with Hamilton. I don't know if any of those any of those fights jump out at you for any reason. Well, well, the Larocque, he was he was like the toughest guy. I was the toughest guy coming out of the O, mm-hmm. and I didn't know anything about him. Yeah, uh, not a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I figured I bought the four of them, and I didn't know he's to crap me. Too. Uh, in Binghamton, mm-hmm. so that was meant to be uh, George the Rock. George the Rock. If you don't know, he's a building, and then you see him on the ice, you're like, "Oh wow, that's a pretty big boy." Oh, I mean, <laughs> I, I fought him a couple times in Edmonton too, yeah. and 
just when you grab him, it's like wrestling a horse. You, you have no, you can't do anything. It's it's funny because I think when anyone talks about George the Rock, I think they always end the sentence with, "Thank God he's such a nice guy." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, he he got me to Edmonton, and he I was pushing up with all my might. He just held me under him. He just saw him laughs. I was just trying to push up. Yeah. And I was a strong guy, but yeah. you know, you feel like you feel like a four-year-old fighting him. Yeah, and I couldn't move my I couldn't move my neck for probably two weeks. So I'm on the plane on the way home, and all the guys they kept calling my name, and I kept turning around. I have to like turn my whole body, and they just all start laughing. Like that. <laughs> oh man! Glad you guys think it's funny. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So. So uh, when you go back to Charlotte, uh, we already talked about Downey. You ended up fighting him three more times. And uh, you fought someone who actually I think it was his injury, and we'll get into this later, I think it was his injury that led to you signing with Kentucky, and, and that was Jared Burnett, who was with Knoxville at the time. Uh, do you remember fighting Bernie at all? Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he was with Knoxville. Uh, the one game I fought... Dean Moore, Sean Halifax, and Garrett Burnett, and I actually speared him before I fought because it was my third fight. I didn't want to fight. Yeah. He was coming at me, mm-hmm. so I got three fights, a five-minute spear, two tens, and a two that game. Forty-two minutes. So it was a good. It was a good night. I was gonna say not a bad night's work. No, but yeah, he ended up uh, playing in Kentucky and he blew his knee out, and that's. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's when they called me up to Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, when we go to uh, the next season, the only thing I, only thing I, I found from uh, exhibition with uh, Rangers or, or Hartford was, and I don't know if fight was anything, but I figured I'd ask you about it. Uh, you fought a tough guy in his own right, Jason Norrie, who I think was with the Adirondack Red Wings while you were with Hartford. Uh, that's the only only fight I know from camp that year. I don't know if it was anything or, or not. Yeah, I actually, I have no recollection of that fight. Okay. No, that's okay. Uh, Now, this year, uh, you split time. You played most of the season with Charlotte. uh, 53 games, 202 PIMS. Um, Pretty tough guys that you played with here. Del Purinton, who you talked about. Mike Hartman. And uh, Andre Waugh was in Charlotte for a little bit of time. Um, You started the season in Charlotte. You fought some pretty tough guys. Uh, Dan Kopech was with Raleigh. Uh, Kevin Evans, who minor league legend um, with Mississippi, and uh, a guy named Carlin Nordstrom, who I know a little bit. He was at Baton Rouge. You fought him uh, two times. I don't know if you remember any of those fights. Yeah, I remember those fights. Um, Kopech was a was a big boy. I think he was playing for Raleigh at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember Nordstrom fights. Those were always good fights. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. I think it was Norson was uh, was a lefty if I yeah. if I recall. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he was he was you know all those guys down there. They're all they're all trying to do the same thing I was trying to do. They were trying mm-hmm. to get called up. So mm-hmm. every every night there was somebody willing and uh, ready to take you on. So how did you end up playing eight games for Fort Wayne? Was that a PTL or did the Rangers loan you there uh, in the IHL? How did that happen? Now what happened was my last year going to Ranger camp. They sent me down to Charlotte immediately after an exhibition game. And I thought I had a really good camp. I was doing my job. And, you know, back then, trying to make your way up 
the ranks with the Rangers was tough. Yeah. They had so many tough guys already. Mm-hmm. So they sent me down. I'm like, all right, I'm never going to play for the Rangers. So what are we going to do? So I asked for my release from the Rangers, and they granted it. Mm-hmm. I ended up going down to Charlotte as a free agent. Oh, okay. Uh, just signing there. Because um, my, my agent at the time, he's like, um, if you're going to be in um, – in the East Coast, you must be a free agent. So, because 30 teams can call you instead of one. So, um, my agent, Mike Wilkins, actually from Buffalo, he just worked the, worked the phones and worked the phones and finally he kept getting me called up and I get sent back down and he get me called up. And um, Torchetti was in uh, in uh, Fort Wayne at the time. Ended up uh, going up there and uh, doing okay, but they just had uh, too many guys coming back from injury. So, I get sent back down to the post once again. Yeah, while you were there, though, I mean, you uh, you actually ended up, I don't know, did you end up playing with uh, Carla Nordstrom in Fort Wayne, or, or were you guys there at separate times? I think we were there at separate times. Okay. Uh, another guy I want to ask you about, I don't know if you remember the name, Rob Weingartner. Does that name ring a bell? No, no okay. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm asking you about him only because he's a Long Island kid, and uh, and he played pro. He never played in the NHL, but uh, I think the Fort IHL... Wayne was like a blur, like a, yeah. just a couple weeks, and I yeah. was back down. Okay, well, uh, someone you fought when you went back down, he's sort of another guy with minor league folklore, uh, and that's Louis Bedard of Tallahassee. I think you fought him three times when you went oh back down. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember those? I definitely remember those. He, <laughs> he, he reminded me of Ty Domi. Yeah. A uh, little guy with a big hard head, and he just chuck lefts and rights, and he would just switch them up, and he was... He could take every punch you threw at him. Yeah. He was, uh, he was a tough cookie. Yeah. Yeah, we had some great tilts, man. So the next season, I know that – did you go to uh, Providence Bruins camp? Because I know an exhibition game, you ended up fighting Steve Webb, who was with Lowell. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so is that when you were a free agent, you ended up – was it like uh, just an invite to camp? Or uh, how did that work out? Yeah, my agent got me uh, an invite to Providence because uh, he knew LaViolette. Mm-hmm. That's when he was there. Yeah. And uh, we played Lowell twice, and I ended up fighting Webby, Webby, Webby twice. Uh, he still talks about that. He uh, he didn't fare too well. Was, <laughs> me, me and Webby are buddies now, so we, yeah. we laugh about it. But uh, he would fight anybody. Um, he was uh, he was a, he was a soldier. Well, I'll tell you when he when he ended up here. Um, I had seen him a couple of fights the season before. He ended up playing a few games with the Vipers. And uh, I didn't know much about him other than what I saw. And as far as wins and losses go, he didn't win too many when he was here. But when you look at who he fought, I mean, all he did was pretty much go after the toughest guy on the other team. He yeah. was always smaller. I mean, just like talk about the heart of a lion. Like it didn't matter to him. He just was like, all right, I'm going to fight. Like he fought Kearnsey when he was at the Rangers. He just, when I, when I was um, just looking at his fight card pretty recently, I was like, man, this guy... All he did was just fight the absolute toughest guy on the other team every game. So, uh, like, I respect it. I respect Webby so much because, I mean, he, he got an opportunity here and he definitely made the most of it. So, uh, so I'm not surprised that he fought he had, you fought him twice in that exhibition season. Now, yeah, no, Webby's a special breed. He he was a guy that would go run you over and then you'd come after him. Have to, he, he would step up and fight because he was such a good hitter. Yeah. So he didn't have to. He didn't have to go around chasing guys to get in a fight. They came to him really because he was he was crushing guys. But he's like a missile out there. Mm-hmm. 
Now, uh, so after that camp, um, did you end up signing with the Florida Everblades? Is that what happened? You signed with them? Yeah, after the camp, uh, Charlotte actually traded me. Oh, okay. uh, Sean Wheeler, coming back to Sean Wheeler. Yeah. He was uh, he actually traded me to uh, to Fort Myers. It was okay. their uh, inaugural season. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, that, that must have been different playing in Florida. It's not, probably not a bad place to play. No, I think we spent the first two months on the road because the rink wasn't even built yet. They were oh, still, I mean, the, before they drop in the puck, they were still putting the glass up. Oh, wow. Um, but what a place to play. What yeah. a beautiful rink. And uh, we had uh, an apartment in Naples, Florida. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better than that. Yeah. But, nice. Um, the coach there, Ferguson, he uh, he played me a lot. Um, I did well and put up some numbers and started fighting. Started winning my fights and uh, I wasn't there too long. It's like twenty something games. I think I got called up again. Yeah, twenty six games, twenty two points, almost a point a game, hundred forty three pims. So you're you're only there twenty six games. You're still third on the team in penalty minutes. Um, the only fight that I found and I didn't find the video, just the list. Uh, it's a guy who, if anyone here on the island remembers, this guy actually played with the Long Island Jaws of roller hockey, and he's sort of another guy that there's uh, folklore behind him in the minors, and that's Jason Clark, who was with Tallahassee at the time. Uh, I'm going to guess, did you run into him more than once, or was it just the one time? I think it was just the one time. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely remember the name. I don't yeah. recall the fight. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I definitely remember the name. He, he, he was around a long time. Yeah. And uh, you ended up playing seven games for uh, Houston. Is that a call-up, or did you have to sign anything with them, or a PTO or anything like that? Uh, it was just a call-up. Yeah. Um, uh, I went up there for seven games. Uh, that's the year they actually won the whole thing. But yeah. once again, they had they called me out because of injuries, and they had all these guys, guys coming back. And, um, they ended up sending me back down. Uh, Dave... Tippett was the coach, um, but uh, fought Louis DeBrus when I got called up there. That was my introduction to the IHL. That was interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, you had five fights in seven games. <laughs> five fights in seven games. Not only Louis DeBrusque, and Louis DeBrusque is obviously the marquee name out of the five. But fight fans know every single guy I'm about to name: Todd Hawkins, who actually played in Vancouver forever ago. Uh, Andre, yeah. Andre Shrubko Vegas had a very tough team that year Andre Shrubko and Louis DeBrusque on Vegas uh, Claude Jutra in Long Beach and another guy who's very tough is that Clayton Norris with Orlando yeah I remember I remember all those guys I just you know yeah being in awe, being in awe of Louis DeBrusque and, yeah. and the big name that that's the fight I remember the most yeah of course like i said out of the five he's the marquee name but you definitely didn't pick your spots in your uh five fights and seven games there so uh definitely uh went after some of the tougher guys and so this is the year that that i uh i referred to a little while ago you ended up in kentucky jared burnett kentucky had a tough team uh burnett was the heavyweight and uh he blew out his knee i think it was and now um you ended up found yourself in kentucky and I tell you what, you made the most of it. Um, I, some of the guys here that I have you fighting. Um, well, first of all, I got to ask you about Sean Hines. Sean Hines, I haven't spoken to him in years, but uh, I still say Sean Hines is the hardest shot I've ever seen, and he did it with a wood stick. Absolute 
bomb. Yes. <laughs> he, him and Nick, well, Nicky Batillo was the assistant coach there. Him, yep. Those two, well, he was another guy that had like forearms, like tree trunks. Mm-hmm. Those guys would be at the, uh, behind the goal line they were throwing wrist shots over the end, end of the glass from the far end is that right after 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 practice yeah um sean hines didn't do a lot of fighting he was uh he was tough when he did but mm-hmm. yeah he had an absolute laser yeah uh how'd you like playing for uh for nicky fatio uh i loved it yeah uh somner was there he was the head coach mm-hmm. and um at the first day i got called up uh, Vitio calls me into his office and he doesn't even say a word to me he sits down, I sit down and he puts his old fight tape in a cassette tape in the VCR <laughs> and he, we watch about 10 of his fights Yeah. not a, not a word is said he, he looks over me, he goes you like that, eh? You like that? I'm like, yeah he goes, okay, see you tomorrow <laughs> I walked out of his office, I'm like, oh god <laughs> Well, my Nick, that my, was the whole conversation. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny you talk about you know the way shooting the pucks and everything. One of the times because we live on the island now, but people that know me know we lived in Philly for ten years. So before you got there, I I, um, I went to see. I know I knew Bernie a little bit and I knew Heinze a little bit. So uh, when you're playing in Philly, I went to the hotel to see those guys and I actually had it wasn't a game you stick, but it was like a pattern stick of Fatius. So I brought it there to have him sign it. Well, he gets one look at this thing, and he's just grabbing guys. He's like, "Look at this old lumber, and look at what I used to do with this. <laughs> what I used to do with that. I mean, what? Just the, you know, I mean, an ultimate character of the game. Uh, I mean, I'm an Islanders fan, obviously, but I have a ton of respect for for what Fatih did as a player. I mean, one of the all time toughest. So, you know, I yeah, would, he was he he was definitely interesting. He would grab uh, grab us after practice. The the guys that would drop the gloves, and he'd work with us, show us. Uh, you know his, his little tips that he would give us and what to do and what not to do so yeah he definitely helped you i mean i can't say enough what the what you what you did with the opportunity that you were given here in, in kentucky um i mean just some of the guys that you fought everybody knows reed Lowe, who was with worcester at the time uh i think you tko'd uh martin later who was with adirondack uh I think yeah. next you also fought Barry Dreger in that game, and I think you fought him the next night. Uh, Roger Maxwell, Providence. Uh, you fought Scott Parker one night, and Steve McLaren the next night. If I read the schedule right, um, Dennis Bonvi a couple of times. I mean, you basically like like I mentioned before, you looked at the roster, you picked the toughest guys on the other team, and and you went at it. And I mean, there's no way that you weren't going to stick. Uh, any of those fights from that time with Kentucky, anything jogged the memory that uh, you have some, any good stories? Oh man. I remember, I remember all those fights. That was, you know, I was, I, I was getting sick. I getting sent back down to the coast. So I was going to do whatever I could do. And Somner, he was great. He loved me. He loved the fights. I think the first, the really low fight fight, because he was, he was going through the league just wrecking everybody. Yeah. And uh, so we had an unbelievable marathon. It had been like a minute and a half, two minutes. And yeah. the uh, uh, Somner was jumping up and down on the bench. He was so excited because uh, I held my own with him. It was uh, it was a good scrap. But, uh, yeah, Scott Parker, always uh, lots of run-ins with him. He was always a tough guy. He's so freaking big. Yeah. Um, 
And obviously, uh, we talked about Bones earlier, Dennis Bondi. He, uh, he's, a, he's a legend himself uh, in that league. So, um, obviously, looking uh, looking back at being a, a kid, watching him come up and fighting him, it was uh, definitely memorable. Now, I had mentioned Steve McLaren. He's a guy similar to you, where a lot of times in your fights, you weren't the bigger guy uh, height-wise. You may have been, uh, you know, weight-wise, just as big as the guy. McLaren's another guy, not very tall, but I mean, one of the, I mean, when I was in Philly, he was there. I mean, it was just a joy to watch that guy play every night. Uh, what was it like fighting Steve? Well, we actually had the same agent, so he would get. Uh, um, I'd always get the fight updates from my agent. I'd I'd uh, follow McLaren, mm-hmm. and he actually was uh, he was just killing guys. Yeah. I mean, he threw both both hands. Didn't care if he got hit. Both hands just as hard as the next, and I knew I had to fight him. I was actually pretty intimidated to fight him. I didn't know what to do, so um, there was a lot of grappling in that fight on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing I he was, uh, he was he was one of the toughest guys uh, that ever ever fight. Well, the one thing I For say sure. the one thing I say about McLaren is he had to follow Frank Bialois in Philadelphia, and I don't know if you ever mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever fought, uh, played Frank in, in the Spectrum. Um, he's an absolute legend down there and it really and I say this it would take someone like a Steve McLaren that just really didn't give a fuck and he's like I don't, I don't care who I have to follow I'm just going to do my job and I say Steve McLaren was the perfect replacement for Frank Bialois because to, Frank I mean literally there was a period of time in Philadelphia where Frank was probably he was up there with Lindros as far as popularity with the fans and, oh yeah so to get it, you know, the guy that has to follow by Lois, it's not an easy task, and I don't think there was anyone better suited to do it than McLaren. No, I agree. Like, like I said before, he was uh, he's one of the toughest guys to ever played. He you, you couldn't hurt him, and he threw both hands. He didn't care. Um, as soon as you thought you had him tied up, he'd be swinging the other hand. Yeah. Um, he had some great fights, man. He was he was tough as nails. So, scary tough oh yeah and like I said what you made the most of your opportunity so uh, you ended up signing a two-year deal with Buffalo um, were any other teams interested was San Jose were they interested at all after what you did with their farm team I think they were a little bit mm-hmm. but um, my recollection was uh, they were a little bit but it didn't seem like uh, the, the way to go mm-hmm. so um, my agent actually here in Buffalo, he was he was out with uh, Rob Ray one night, and they were just talking about you know the season and fighting and whatnot, and um, they were talking about me and where I should go and whatnot. And Rob Ray said to him, he's like, "I've never had any competition here in ten years," and a bell went off in my agent's head. He goes, "This is where Bolts is signing right here." So I ended up signing because uh, they wanted me in Rochester. Yeah. Um, so in order for me to go to Rochester, they, they, they just tagged the NHL contract on top. Okay. Like Buffalo had much interest in me, but mm-hmm. ended up going to Rochester on a on an NHL deal and ended up doing well. Very well. But before you got to Rochester, so I'm assuming you went to training camp with the Sabres, though, correct? Yes. 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 So you go to camp, and now it's your first camp. That's not a not a Rangers camp, NHL camp. I don't know how different that might have been, 
Um, obviously, there wasn't the talent on Buffalo that there were that there was in the Rangers, based on the fact that that was like the heyday for the Rangers. Uh, that wasn't yeah. you know other than the black and white stuff. But um, so you walk in and, and there's you know like you mentioned Rob Ray, uh, Paul Cruz is there, um, guys like Jean Luc Grandpierre, Andrew Peters, Darren Van Own, Rhett Warner, underrated tough guy. So um, when you come into camp. You know, now I guess you knew you were going to end up in Rochester, but even knowing that, did you end up scrapping anybody? Was there anyone there you tried to tried to go with to make an impression? Uh, definitely. Well, I went up there probably a few weeks before camp opened just to skate mm-hmm. with those guys. Yeah. To do the uh, the pro skate, just to get my feet wet and to show that I was uh, you know working hard and, and showing up. So. I went up there and I got to know a lot of these guys uh, in the two weeks I was there. But uh, once the puck, puck was dropped, I went right after Rob Ray. Yeah. Um, the first shift, and I think he didn't want to fight. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was swinging his stick at me. And <laughs> I was trying to fight him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, this isn't gonna happen. So we, we ended up fighting uh, Cruz. Okay. In uh, in one of the inter squad games, and that that was it. How'd that go? Uh, I don't think it was much of a fight. Okay. It was uh, one of those uh, boring ones that we fell down earlier or something. I got you. Well, I mean, you end up in Rochester, and it had to feel good playing a whole season with a team that wants you. You're not bouncing up and down with the coast. You end up playing 76 games for four points, led the team with 276 penalty minutes. I mean, were you able to actually take a deep breath and say, okay, good, I know we're going to be here, and uh, I don't know if you had a family at the time, but... Was it actually a great feeling to, to actually be in one place for an entire season? Oh, it was such a relief. I was, uh, you know, obviously we went through it. I was bouncing around so much before that. Yeah. I knew, uh, I knew they wanted me. I knew they needed that. And uh, I was the guy there. So um, I knew I was safe. But yeah. um, the next the next goal was to get uh, to get called up to the Sabres or, or get an extension for the following year. So I did the same thing. I went grabbed every the toughest guys in, in the league and, and ran with it. Well, one of the toughest guys in the league uh, you did grab and you had an absolute slugfest with him, this guy I talked about already, Frankie Bialois, who was with Hershey at the time. Uh, do you remember that fight? Yeah, um, yeah, I remember it well. Um, obviously, I knew who he was. Yeah. And uh, he's an intimidating guy. Uh, but I ended up uh, knocking him down at the end of the fight. Yeah. After the uh, after the fight, I just remember the coaches talking about it, and the, the scouts in the stands talking about it. And that's that's one of the fights really that put me on the map with, yeah. uh, with the Sabers, actually. Yeah, and you know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the assistant coach of Hershey at the time was one of your old teammates from Rangers camp. I was Jay Wells. I think uh, Wells was assistant coach. I think Mike Felino might have been the head coach. So uh, maybe uh, Jay Wells remembered you from camp after that fight. That's a that's a guy. That's definitely a guy in the American League to make a name on it if you can do it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you fought some other tough guys. You ended up fighting Reed Lowe again, uh, Rob Skurlak, uh, Jared Burnett. He's back from his injury. Ended up fighting him. Uh, Kevin Sawyer, Jody Shelley, uh, Trevor Doyle. You fought three times. So I don't know if any of those uh, saying any of those names brings back any memories uh, from that first season in Rochester. 
Oh man, they all. I remember all those fights. The uh, the the Doyle one. I think I fought him. He got the better of me. Uh, went back to Syracuse. Ended up knocking him out cold. Oh wow. Um, and then we pl- we played them a few weeks later, and I knew he was coming. Yeah. He was he was a mon- monster man. Actually, she played junior against him too. He, uh, I fought him in Rochester, and I I grabbed him next to the bench. And I kind of tossed him into our bench okay. over the uh, over the over the boards. Mm-hmm. So I thought the fight was over. I thought my teammates would grab him or something. <laughs> and they like it was like the parting of the Red Sea. They just like like all spread out in the bench. And yeah. He stands up, and now all of a sudden, sudden he's he's on the bench. Beat the crap out. <laughs> we had, we had some good wars against the Syracuse back then. We had some uh, some good good brawls for sure. It was it was tough. Well, I know later that season you ended up having a line brawl uh, against them. So uh, yep. I don't know if you remember that line brawl at all. I do. We, uh, our coach, he didn't know what was going to happen at the end of the game. So we, he, we had last change. So we put all our, all our uh, tough guys out in the ice, and I think it was Darren Van Owen took the face off. He wasn't a centerman. Yeah. And uh, he grabbed, he grabbed somebody. He beat him up pretty good. Yeah. And then the whole, uh, all five guys paired off. Denny Hamel had the goalie. Jean-Luc Rampier was, that guy was a strong man. He he pulled the whole pile this... down the ice. <laughs> wow. Guy, there was guys on the ice, and he was trying to rip guys off. They wouldn't let go of each other, and he was pulling the whole pile down the ice. <laughs> yeah, I definitely remember that one. Yeah. Um, and that season was a, was a big season for Rochester. You ended up going to the Calder Cup final. Uh, playing against some of your old buddies with the Hartford Wolfpack, and uh, your old liney from uh, training camp, you ended up fighting PJ Stock twice in that final. Uh, you remember those fights? He was always a gamer. Obviously, I enjoyed fighting him because yeah. finally I was the big guy in the fight. Fight. I'm only six feet tall, so <laughs> every guy I ever fought in my life was always, you know, as tall as me or bigger. So. Yeah. Uh, for his size, for what he did in his career, is just absolutely amazing. The way yeah. he juked and jived and absorbed punches and come back with those fast punches. I mean, just remarkable what he accomplished. So, going forward, similar to what you did with your opportunity in Kentucky, we get to the next preseason with Buffalo. And you, I don't, again, I'm just in awe of, of what you did. That preseason, uh, you fought Ken Belanger, Aaron Downey, uh, Remy Roy twice, and you fought the legend, the greatest of all time, Bob Probert. Uh, so first, talk about the Proby fight. You, you fought him uh, off the faceoff. Did you ask him to go? Was there any conversation? I did not ask him to, him to go. I went out, lined up off the faceoff, and he asked me to fight. Oh, yeah? He's like, do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I wouldn't <laughs> ask him to fight. Yeah. Uh, it's Bob Probert. Right. But when he asked, asked me, I can't turn him down. And yeah. So I dropped my gloves, and now I'm in. Now I'm in the fight. So um, end up doing very well yeah. uh, uh, against him. And um, that uh, definitely, I'd say that's the reason why I made the team that year. Sure. It's just you know, like obviously anyone, you know, like players and fans like myself, he's revered. And uh, you know, I guess at that point in his career. All the young guns have asked him to to fight and everything, and 
That was probably probably his way of just asking you if you want to go. He, I'm sure he knew that you you know you're trying to make the team, obviously, and probably only a matter of time before something were to happen. And to me, that's just an example of the kind of guy he is. Because I think as time went on with some of the guys who were the upper echelon guys, they didn't they weren't always as gracious uh, offering the young guys a chance to maybe no. earn their stripes. And Bob was always willing to do that to all the young players. Yeah, yes, I, I can see what you're saying with the uh, the guys that had the long careers. There's not too many guys that want to step up and fight the young guys. But, I mean, when he asked me to fight, I almost fell off my chair. He was uh, he gave me a chance. I did well, and uh, I owe a lot to for him for that. A lot of respect. Now, how did you find out that you made the Sabres? Well, they kept me in the hotel for, I don't know, it had been like three or four months, and I had two good two good run-ins with Sandy McCarthy the one week. Mm-hmm. And I did very well in both fights. And I was just in the press box talking to Larry Carey, and he was just asking how I'm doing and whatnot. I'm like, oh, okay. we're still in the hotel. He's like, well, you're still in the hotel? Oh, my. yeah. He goes, oh, okay. I didn't know that. Really? You didn't know that? <laughs> and then... Um, the next day, the next day at uh, team meal, Lindy Ruff calls him over, and he goes, "Bolts, go get an apartment." And that's when I knew I made I made the team. But oh, they had no idea it was in the hotel. I say anything, obviously. I'd be scared to death to even mention it. You know, it's funny because <laughs> you're the third person that basically gave me the same story about the hotel. They don't know you're in the hotel, and you're not going to say anything. Uh, it's just oh hell no we're not going to say anything we don't even want to know we're there <laughs> that is tremendous so opening yeah. night in Buffalo no, I've heard a bunch of those stories yeah it's it's incredible but it actually excuse me makes you wonder about the the people in charge with these teams like they can't keep track of who's in the, and someone's paying the hotel bill I would imagine well it's all it's all if you don't say anything yeah. and they don't say say anything there's no problem yeah as soon as it comes up then they may have to address it and that's when they address it when it actually they actually talk about it because once they know that you know that they're in the hotel then there might be an issue but yeah um i would i would listen i would all year if i had to <laughs> so opening night in buffalo you play in chicago uh i mean that that had to be an amazing feeling to be on uh I mean, first NHL game is always going to be an amazing feeling, but to be on the opening night roster, listening to the national anthem, uh, it had to be an unbelievable feeling. Oh, it was. It was a, obviously, cliche, but it's dream come true, and um, a lot of ner- nerves, a lot of nerves. It just you want to get up there and not screw up. Uh, unfortunately, my first shift, I was the last guy back on a like a on one off. I'm one on one, and I heel picked on the boot, fell fell down. Oh. The guy goes in on a breakaway, and Mika, Mika Nornan actually saved my butt. Oh. Uh, so I get back to the bench. I'm just mortified. <laughs> Lindy Ruff, he was down, and he's laughing. And he puts his hand on my shoulder. He goes, he goes, ah, don't worry about it, son. It happens to everybody. So uh, what a he, uh, he made me feel a little bit better about myself. I don't know. If oh you're... yeah, he, he was laughing. So yeah. I mean, if if they score, scored, he laughing, but. <laughs> I don't know if you heard, he got hired as Devils coach today. Yeah, I just saw that. Good for him. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So the fight that you were that you talked about with George Larocque um, with the the neck was he was your first official NHL fight. Was that that fight or was that the fight that you had later on? No, that was the fight in okay. Edmonton. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's see. And then, of course, uh, November 25th, 2000, in Montreal, you score your first NHL goal. Uh, you're remembering all these fights. I have to imagine you remember the first NHL goal, too. Yeah, I do remember it. Um, it was against Canyon. I was uh, going down the left wing. Uh, it's probably like the top of the circles. I was just trying to get around that. I would think I was aiming like high glove or something. And I fanned on the shot. So the goalie was playing high glove and it went right through his five hole. Um, <laughs> so I missed the shot and, and the goalie missed the puck and that was it. Kind of a crappy goal, but I'll take it any day. All I heard it was five hole. That's all I heard. I don't. How it goes in, who knows? All I heard you say was five hole, so that sounds good. Yeah, to no kidding, no kidding. <laughs> and then later in the game, uh, you ended up fighting Craig Rive because I think he was roughing up Eric Rasmussen, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, I'm actually uh, uh, just just moving back to Buffalo recently. I mean, I'm skating with him. I have a 16-year-old. He has a 16-year-old. We've been on the ice the last couple of days together, so looking back, it was pretty funny. Yeah. You no, have, not much of a fight. Yeah, I think I stepped on a stick and fell or something. But yeah, it it wasn't it wasn't so much, much to the, talk about there. Yeah, no, it wasn't so much the fight. It was just so much, you know. It was a, another example of you stepping in for a teammate. Eric Eric didn't fight too much. He's a big man, but he didn't fight too much. But you know, it was good to see that you didn't forget. You know, you scored the goal and you didn't let it go to your head that you still went in and did the job uh, later in the game. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't my job to score goals. I knew that. So. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, don't get too cocky. No, no. You had, uh, I believe, it was your first fight this year. Uh, you fought Danny Lambert, and it was a game in Buffalo, and he was with Atlanta. And watching that fight, it, you guys threw some of the hardest punches I think I've ever seen in a fight. It looked like you were just throwing kill shots with every punch. Do you remember that one? I do remember that. There was another guy that was that was a little bit shorter than me, so I knew yeah. I could um, just trade just trade with him. I, with him. I didn't have to wait and hold on and try to weather the storm. So he, yeah, he was uh, he got out of his jersey in that fight. It was a good fight. Yeah. And uh, obviously, obviously, when you watch those fights and you listen to Rick Jenneret, yeah, yeah, he made some ten times. Better. Definitely unbelievable fight announcer. My favorite. Oh, he is. He's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, what was it like playing on the line? I mean, like you said, you're up for the whole season. You're playing on the line with Rob Ray and Eric Rasmussen. Uh, that must have been fun all year, playing up with those guys. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you're just happy to be there. You just yeah. want to do your job, so you don't give a, re a reason to, to send him back down to Rochester. Obviously, having uh, you know Rob Ray there was... Yeah. It was great. He uh, took me under his wing. He wasn't. Uh, he didn't feel threatened. He. Uh, we became good friends. Today, uh, just saw him the other day at the rink, actually. So, um, he was really great. And um, having that one-two punch playing, you know, obviously going to Toronto or Toronto coming into Buffalo, having having him, uh, him on your wing is definitely uh, feels good. So. I try to do these chronologically, but I didn't exactly know where to fit this question in. 
Uh, and the only reason why I did it in the Buffalo, uh, Buffalo section, um, there's another Maritimer that was doing a lot of videos uh, during the COVID situation uh, on his Twitter and Facebook, I believe. And that's Nick Greeno. And uh, videos are actually quite interesting and yeah. very humorous. And there was one <laughs> video he did about uh, working out, fourth liners uh, going into the gym and working out. And he basically said that Eric Bolton would uh, take the, uh, the the Maritimers aside, the minor league guys aside, and uh, show, and you would show them how to work out in the gym. And uh, I, I, I figured it was Buffalo because he made reference to J.P. Dumont, but uh, I'm sure a lot of people saw that video. So I guess my question is, how accurate was Greener's depiction of you in that video? I mean, he's exaggerating a little bit, but <laughs> I was... Uh... <laughs> so what happened was, once again, I had the same agent as him. Okay. And my agent was like, you guys need to come up here and train in Buffalo, train with Bolts all summer long. So uh, he came up and we became uh, really good friends and we yeah. all summer long and hit the gym. We went to a boxing coach. We did uh, the whole nine yards and um, what a great guy. What a funny guy. Yeah. Uh, life of the party. And uh, um, obviously uh I showed him how to work out and how to train and how to try to get to the next level. He um, he likes to make fun of me, put it that way. But uh, the the video is a little exaggerated, but there's some truth to it. Uh, well, here's your opportunity. Maybe not for revenge, but uh, what kind of a student was he? Oh, he was great. Yeah, he was a hard worker. Yeah. Um, like he he was trying to get called up too. He was trying to make a name for himself. So uh, a lot of respect uh, for me, and I have a lot of respect for him. And he he did what he was told. Shuts his yeah. mouth. Uh, typical maritime, or just worked hard. No, definitely. I, I love the guy. I love the guy. Um, so as we go to the following season. Thirty-five games, five points, one hundred twenty-nine penalty minutes. Second on the team. Um, Second fight of the season this year was an absolute war. You managed to have wars with these guys with Atlanta. It's no wonder you ended up there. Uh, tough guy, Darcy Hordachuk, uh, second fight of the year, absolute war. Do you remember that one? I do. He punched me in the side of the head probably a hundred times. <laughs> he was uh, another guy was around my size, but he was. He, I always had a hard time with him. He just chucked so hard and didn't yeah. care, and um, he never stopped. He was. A, he was a tough kid. This, this season, I think, was the first time you had uh, first of many run-ins uh, with Jason Weimer. Uh, Jason Weimer was with Florida at the time. Uh, he fought Tyler Pyatt and did very well against him. Uh, and then the way I made the notes, later in the game, he decided to give him a chance to go up in the weight class. Uh, he didn't seem too interested, uh, but you made him fight. And while that fight's going on, Marcus Nielsen takes a pretty good baseball bat swing at you. Do you remember that whole sequence? I do, I do, yeah. Um, that was the first, that was our first fight, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember that fight. I, uh, he did something early in the game, and I decided, I had to, like, make him fight. Um, if I recall, it wasn't much of a fight, but I do remember the guy swinging a stick. Marcus Nielsen. <laughs> it's unbelievable, yeah, right? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I didn't feel it or anything. Yeah, well... And, and to Weimer's credit, the next game he did agree to fight you. Um, but even before you got your second glove off, you KO'd him. 
and uh, it led to some classic drama on TV between you and Peter Worrell, uh, where you're in the box and he's on the bench. And uh, if I read lips correctly, uh, you pointed at him and said, "You're next, and you're going to sleep." Like, do you remember remember chatting with Peter about that? Uh, oh yeah. Whenever you get uh, whenever you get a knockout like that, you're all fired up. You think yeah. you can beat anybody? And he's he's standing. He's what six foot seven. And he stands yeah. up on the bench. Uh, he's the only guy standing up, and yeah. he's looking over across the penalty box at me. I'm like, okay, well, what am I going to do? So <laughs> I was all fired up. I, I probably shouldn't have woke up the bear, but um, I told him he was going to sleep next, but it didn't uh, didn't quite end that way. No, but like I said on TV, it was uh, it was excellent drama, that's for sure. Yeah, no, that was, that was a fun game. Uh, we're playing uh, um, – chess with the lines trying to get uh, him out with me and then me out with him and then I changed and he changed and then finally I just went over and stood by his bench and I'm like okay let's get this yeah. over with and he, and he hopped on and um, I had a bad grab on him it wasn't, a, wasn't yeah. a good fight I ended up falling down and covering my head so he wouldn't hit me when I was down and, and he was skating off saying I was turtling but that, that wasn't the case but right. I, had no cho- I had no choice right right no it's <laughs> obvious when you see it on TV it's definitely obviously the turtle. Um, so, what a what a hard guy to fight, though, big boy. He ended up breaking right my face like the next year. Oh, is that right? Yeah, fought him again the next year, yeah. and I came I came up with a punch, and he came more over the top and just cracked me and broke my uh, orbital bone. So he got his revenge. Yeah. Well, before that point in the season in o two o three, um, fifty eight games, one hundred seventy eight penalty minutes. So. Opening night against the Islanders, I guess you wanted to take the early lead in penalty minutes for the league. It was a rough game to begin with. Uh, you ended up fighting Aaron Asham in the first period, Eric Cairns in the second period, and uh, your old friend Jason Weimer again in the third. Um, and also Razor fought twice in that game. He fought Steve Webb and uh, Sugar Ray Schultz. So uh, what do yeah. you remember about that game where you had to fight a period with three pretty tough guys? Well, the first fight was against Asham. Yeah. We were, uh, we're actually really good friends now, mm-hmm. being from Long Island, doing minor hockey league stuff together. Uh, we had some run-ins uh, in the later years, too. But I fought him, and his first punch broke my nose. Mm. And I ended up uh, doing well in the fight, but I had a broken nose. And uh, Eric Cairns got me in the corner, kind of cornered me, and then we, and we, we squared off and... It was another one of those uh, where I fell right, right away. It wasn't much of a fight, but um, that was my second fight of the day with with a uh, with a broken nose. So yeah. I think that was uh, that w- that was Weimer's Weimer's chance to uh, to grab me along the bench. Uh, it was a line change. Yeah. Uh, we had a long fight, uh, not a lot of punches landed, but I was fighting the whole those uh, second two fights with a broken nose. So that was my uh, you know trying to trying to do whatever you could to, to stay and uh, they really didn't give me a choice to turn them down <laughs> well I, I wonder how hard is that I mean obviously you're fighting with a broken nose you don't want to get hit again but also I would imagine it impairs your breathing so how difficult is it to let's just say in the Karen's fight you're fighting a monster with a broken nose how, and, and the, I imagine it affects your breathing how hard is that oh it's well if you ever had a broken nose uh, you know, because yeah. if you get hit there again, I mean, your eyes water. It just—it's the 
it's the worst place for me to get hit, really. Yeah. I, I think I broke my nose 12 times. I can't breathe breathe of it now. I'll be hearing when I'm talking. But, oh, wow. Uh, um, yeah, it's it sucks. But uh, you just uh, battle through it and hope you don't get hit. Try to protect it. Now, um, two games after that, I, I imagine you still have a broken nose. It, it actually is just crazy to think that. But obviously, you can't, you're not going to sit out. Uh, I think it was uh, one of your first, if not your first, fight with uh, Sean Thornton, who was with Chicago, and you dropped him in that fight. You fought him so many times. Uh, what? Just talk about Thornton in general. I mean, obviously, I'm a huge fan. Uh, but dropping him had to feel pretty good, especially, like say, you're fighting with a broken nose, which I didn't even know. Well, back then, it felt really good to drop yeah. him because we used, to, we used to fight in junior okay. all the time. He was a year younger than me, I believe, and we had all kinds of fights. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were always good fights. I think I always got the better of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but he uh, he was making a name for himself at the same time as I was. Yeah. And, uh, um, I listen. I got a lucky uh, a lucky shot in. Uh, he went down. He wasn't too happy, but yeah. Um, we've actually, um, I mean, the number of times we fought over our yeah. career careers all the respect in the world um he's another guy um just a little bit taller than me but kind of the same size had to be smart yeah um i've never really seen that guy get beat up ever yeah um like one one of the smartest fighters i've ever fought and he would hang in there and he made he made uh, a hell of a career he's a character guy in the locker room and uh, nothing but good things to say about sean yeah i think he's an executive now with the panthers if i'm not mistaken Yes, he's doing well. Yeah, doing, yeah. Uh, doing very well. No, but, uh, we would we, listen. We would see each other uh, towards the end of my career. We would see each other um, down in Florida or wherever he was playing, and yeah. um, we'd always have kind words to see each other and hang out. It was a uh, um, mutual mutual respect between us. Yeah, no, I love him. I, I mean, I've known him since he was with uh, St. John's. I didn't know him obviously with uh, Peterborough. But uh, I met him with St. John's, and just a, I mean, a class guy, just a super guy all around. So, uh, you know, you don't have to convince me how good of a guy Doherty is because he's tough as nails, and they don't come any nicer than, than uh, Doherty. So I'm glad that you guys have this mutual respect for each other. It, it's funny because I don't, I don't think of people that don't understand the role or the fight game, they can't comprehend the fact that two guys who respect each other so much can do the job and still have that respect for each other because I just don't think they grasp the role, you know, the enforcer role, but, um, you know, look, he look, did. Yeah. He, you know, no, he did. Well, he, was, he was, he was such a respectful fighter too. He yeah. never punch you when you're down. I mean, we've all done it a couple of times in yeah. the moment, but he was, uh, very, uh, you know, go by the code. And, uh, I remember one time we're in Boston, I think, and we're down two nothing. And I go, Thorny, you got you got to fight me. You got to fight me. He's like, he's like, no bolts. We're up two nothing. My coach is gonna kill me. I'm like, come on, please. Mm. I said, please. He goes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he fought me. Uh, All they had to do is say please. Yeah, and, and, and that's you know, the respect he had. He goes, I know he's trying to do a job. And your fights, you know, for someone like myself, I like the drama too behind it. And you guys seem like you always squared off. It was always that good drama, the couple of seconds before the battle. And, you know, like I just, yeah. I, I love both you guys. It, it was uh, so much fun watching your careers. Um, later that season, you may not realize this, but it was actually 
I think four fights in a row. It was three opponents, four fights in a row. They're all ex-Philadelphia Phantoms. You had a really nice fight with Jesse Bolaris, who was with uh, Carolina. Yeah. Uh, then after him, it was Frankie Lassard with Atlanta. You fought all these Atlanta guys. And, uh, and then, of course, you had a two-fight game with P.J. Stock, who was with the Bruins at the time. So you had four fights against three former Phantoms. Uh, you remember it? You remember anything? I mean, it's three tough guys that you fought in a row. I don't know if you remember any of those. Uh, yeah, I actually remember all of them. Yeah, uh, I'm not familiar with all those fights, but the PJ Stock one was in Boston, and yeah. we uh, we started the first one. We started trading punches, and we obviously throughout the minors we have a history. We're going at it like every game, so yeah. uh, there's no love loss there. Um, and uh, I think I slipped backwards. He didn't hit me, but I slipped backwards. And you know, PJ, yeah. <laughs> he plays plays the crowd. He goes mm-hmm. off, and he's. Uh, 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 I was kind of embarrassed because he's going off, pumping his hands like he won the fight. And I was like, okay, I'm getting him. I'm getting him. <laughs> so next shift, I went out there, and that's probably one of the maddest I've ever been in a fight. And I was just hammering him yeah. the whole fight, and he just wouldn't go down. He yeah. wouldn't go down. And it, it was just unbelievable how tough, how tough uh, for his size and what he did. Yeah. The, the punishment he took in that fight was just unbelievable. And he never went down right to the yeah. end. He's chucking laughs. Yeah. This season, um, I guess it has to be part due in part to the way that you have you had progressed as a player, how you progressed as a tough guy. Uh, it was the end of an era in Buffalo where Rob Ray was traded to the Ottawa Senators. So this is a guy that um, you guys were like a tag team there for a couple of seasons. He's obviously an icon in Buffalo, and now all of a sudden he's packing his bags and go to Ottawa. You remember when Razor was traded? Yeah, I was sitting in the back of the bus with uh, with him, and he gets called up to the, up to the front of the bus. I think we kind of knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, and then when he finally got traded, it was like, well, I mean, we were so happy for him because we, you know, we had a chance to win. Yeah. So. Um, you know, they, they brought him on board um, for the cup run there in Ottawa, and we were obviously happy for him. Right, right. Um, the whole bus was cheering for him. <laughs> I mean, listen, there, there's, you know, obviously there are some legendary players who've played for Buffalo, uh, you know, Gilbert Perot, Hashik. I mean, Rob Ray in Buffalo, I mean, the guy is, he's just, I guess... I'm not saying he's as good a player as say Bob Nystrom is down here on the island, but it's very similar in the fact that I don't know I don't know the last time Bob Nystrom may have bought a drink here on the island, and I can't imagine Rob Ray pays for many drinks up there in Buffalo. No, you can't find a more popular player here than uh, than Razor for yeah. sure. And I mean, I don't know if you think he's underrated, but I, he has heavy hands. I've seen him hurt some guys in his fights. Like yeah. he. Uh, he was just another guy that wasn't that big, but yeah. you fight anybody, and he he had his own method, and uh, he did well. He was a tough cookie. Well, I'm going to give you my opinion of Rob. Um, watching him throughout his career, and a, and a massive, massive head. Too. Yes, well, that I he, I always knew that. I could see that. Um, <laughs> I was not a fan of his uh, because of the jersey thing. Okay. Um, I, w- I watched him a little bit in Rochester going up, you know, through Buffalo. Uh, I, I hated the jersey trick. And I think the irony to Rob's career as a fighter is once they instituted the Rob Ray rule and he had to keep his jersey on, 
he became an absolute killer. Like if you watch, he's he did just just as well. I, he did so much better, I think, with the jersey on. It was yeah. it was unbelievable to see what he transformed into because he, he became a guy that I really didn't. Obviously, I respect everyone that does the role, but the jersey thing really pissed me off, to be honest with you. Uh, but then when he has to keep the jersey on, I'm like. Jesus, is this this guy has been here the whole time, but you never knew it because the jersey would come off. But no, I, listen, what he did with the with the jersey on, I mean, he he hurt some guys. I mean, literally hurt some guys. Oh, so, yeah. You know, yeah. um, he had, he adjusted he adjusted his fighting style a little bit, and then yep. that just shows how uh, how tough he was and heavy handed he was. He uh, yeah, guys are scared of him. Yeah. He was tough. I, I found myself being more of a Brad May guy when they were all together, when it was Ray May and Barnaby. Uh, I, I was more of a Brad May guy, and uh, I liked Bobby Bugner when he was there, and uh, Roman Ender. Those were the guys that I, you know, I like Barney too, uh, but May, May and uh, Boogs and uh, Roman Ender, those were sort of the guys that I gravitated towards on those Buffalo teams. Yeah, I had a run-in with Brad May. I think he was in Phoenix. When uh, when my early years in Buffalo, it was a it was a short a short fight. Yeah. But his first punch hit me in the side of the helmet and yeah. cracked my helmet in half. Yeah. That's so hard he threw. Yeah. He threw very cracked my helmet. I got back to the penalty box and my my ears are ringing. I'm like, oh my <laughs> gosh, my helmet's broken in half. But uh, yeah, he was an entertaining fighter. Yeah. Well, well, him and I actually he, had... he was either gonna get hurt or he was gonna hurt somebody. Yeah, and actually, he was one of the guys we had. A, we had a talk once. Where I was talking about, you know, how, and this was before the the Ray kept the jersey on, and we were talking one day, and I said, you know, the thing that annoys me is I think Razor gets a lot of credit, and I I don't think you get enough credit. And he was really really forthcoming. And he goes, listen, he goes, whether you like the guy or not, the fact that Rob fights the monsters, he fights the heavyweights, and that allows me maybe to fight the second tier guys allows me to play a little bit more. He goes, so maybe I, I'm able to do what I do because Rob does his job. And I said, you know what, touche, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So you go into the next season now, and this is the first season that you're in Buffalo without Rob Ray. So um, as far as tough players, Andrew Peters was there at forward. Uh, a guy who I loved, I loved his game, and he's a good guy. Brad Brown was actually there uh, on defense. Uh, he had uh, maybe a middleweight, Adam Merritt. He, he scrapped a bit. But what was it like going into that 0304 season uh, where you're the guy now? I mean, I don't know um, if Andrew Peters, you know, if, he, if you viewed him as a threat. I mean, you had a lot of seasons on him, but now you're where you would go into camp with Rob Ray. Now, Andrew Peters is going into camp with Eric Bolton. So how is that camp different uh, than the previous camps? Well, only being there a couple of years, he, I was now the Rob Ray where Andrew Peters was coming after me right. in camp. Mm -hmm. And it was 8 in the morning. And I think we were on the ice at 8 in the morning in St. Catharines. It was like freezing in there. Mm -hmm. And I'm a veteran guy. And Andrew Peters has asked me to fight. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's <laughs> 8 in the morning. No kidding. So I'm like, all right, what do I do here? So we get through the period, and then next period, um, next period starts. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I end up fighting him, and I throw a left, and I break my thumb. Oh, shit. So 
Yeah. So I'm out for two months. So that was Andrew Peters' time to shine. And that's when he he really made a name for himself when I was hurt. So after that, I really didn't get uh, um, back on my feet in Baltimore, really, because he was, uh, you know, I was hurt and he kind of took over. And then um, the next year, I was kind of expendable. Well, you had a couple of fights that you were at Buffalo that I want to ask you about. One of them uh, was a guy who is not scary in the sense where he's going to knock you out, but it's scary in the sense that you might have to fight him for three minutes, and that's Darren Langdon who you fought when he was in Montreal. Now, you're a guy that has excellent stamina as well. Uh, what were your thoughts about fighting a guy like Langdon uh, where you know you're going to be in there for the long haul? Well, that was my first game back after having my broken thumb. I just oh. cut my pins out like the, the day before. Okay. So when I'm, if you watch that fight, I'm holding on to his shoulder with like two fingers. I can't even hold on with my hand. My, yeah. my obviously, uh, my thumb is still messed up. So, um, it, yeah, that was like a two-minute-long fight, and I knew I knew his style, and I knew I, I love that style of fight, but. Um, I've never never met a guy that could go as long as him. Yeah. I mean, I was I was known for that, but at the end of that fight, I was absolutely exhausted. He's still trying to throw punches. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I at the end of that at the end of that fight, I throw a bunch of body blows on him because mm-hmm. I couldn't get loose. I'm like, okay, hit him in the ribs, see what happens. Mm-hmm. And um, that was it. But the next night. Um, we uh, I think the next night we played in Montreal and I and I lined up next to him and we were both exhausted. We weren't fighting again. I'm like, like, hey, hey, Langer, do you feel those punches? He goes, I didn't feel them during the fight, but hell, did I feel them this morning? <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> so the body punches, he didn't... Um, um, he definitely felt the next day. Uh, another guy you fought that year was a fellow Nova Scotian. <laughs> Dougie Dowell, who was getting an opportunity to make a name for himself in Boston. Uh, you remember fighting yeah. Dougie? I do. I do. He was uh, uh, he's another another smaller guy. He was he he was strong as an ox. He yeah. just threw. He just threw hard. Um, uh, yeah, that was a good scrap. I remember him for sure. Tough guy. Now I know you were you weren't. Uh, it's funny to say you were a little bit older at this time, but you may have been older. Well, actually, I think you guys, I think Dowell might have been older than you, but do you ever, do you go back? He was. Yeah, so now, is there ever a case where you guys, you find yourself, I don't know how often you may go back to Nova Scotia, uh, but do you ever go back at any of these times to Nova Scotia and some of these other guys that you fought are there, and you ever get telling the old war stories when you fight each other? Uh, no, not really. I, yeah. I got four kids, and it's hard enough to get, uh, out of the city, little yeah. one, going all the way up to Nova Scotia. So, yeah, I haven't been back there a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, so the next season was the lockout season, and where a lot of guys headed over to Europe, headed over to Great Britain, um, you know, some guys played the American League, I guess. Uh, you ended up playing for uh, Columbia in the East Coast League, and you hadn't been in the East Coast League for several years. Uh, <laughs> what was the impetus uh, behind going to Columbia? Well, my wife, uh, all her family lives down there in Lexington, uh, like 20 minutes from Columbia. Okay. And we actually bought a little rental house down there to rent out for an investment. And it was vacant at the time. They're like, once we, you know, 
a few months into the locker room, like, well, why are we sitting here in Buffalo? I'll go down there and play. I got to play. I can't, I can't take a year off. I'll be done. Mm-hmm. So, um, we called the coach and, um, I said, Hey, I'll come down and play for you. He's like, done deal. So <laughs> I, we went down there, we lived in our little rental house. Uh, and, uh, I actually had a great time. It was, uh, a lot of, a lot of fun. I was, uh, first seven games I was down there I didn't get uh, a point so I'm like oh god this is bad what did I do <laughs> and then I kind of figured out the pace of the game again it was like a t- tiny tiny rink like a shoebox right. um, so I kind of slowed my game down and just played and then I ended up uh, putting up a lot of points and getting uh, power play opportunities and uh, it was a good time and then um, you know the at the time, the NHL, they, they notice guys that don't play. So if you're taking the whole year off and don't play, they notice that. And they see a guy going down there and, and uh, staying in shape and playing, they uh, they recognize that. Well, in that season, like you say, once you found your game, you ended up with 39 points in 48 games, uh, 124 penalty minutes. Now, <coughs> Eric Bolton at this point is a name NHL heavyweight. So did you were you a target at all for any of the guys maybe trying to make a name for themselves at your expense? Um, not really. The only guy that was chasing me around was McIntyre. I was going to ask you about him. <laughs> and, I mean, I, he was up and coming then. Yeah. Um, what a monster of a man. He's the only guy that kind of chased me around. I did not oblige him. Yeah. Uh, the coach was like, no, Bolts, don't do it, don't do it. So, um, <laughs> never ended up fighting him. But he was the only guy that was going after me. But I ended up fighting a couple times, just sticking up for teammates. Um, but not really. I got you. Yeah, I was. I wondered that because, you know, if I was a guy down there, you would have been the first guy I would have tried to go after because, for a guy that's an East Coast guy, if even if he doesn't even have to beat you, but even if he shows well in the fight with you, that that might open some eyes. But uh, you know, I McIntyre was definitely a guy I was going to ask you about. I saw he was down there, and uh, I, you know, I'm not surprised that he was uh, he was trying to hunt you down a bit. Oh, he was, that's for sure. Chased around the whole game one time. <laughs> <laughs> so so I guess between, I've already mentioned it a bunch of times, you ended up fighting, it seems like, every game that you played Atlanta. And I don't know if it had anything to do with the geography of you playing in Columbia. Uh, you ended up signing with Atlanta. How did that come about? Um, well, I had a few offers. Um, Chicago actually offered me a contract and I'm debating and my wife uh, went to UGA um, all her family's in the south and I'm in Atlanta calls and I'm like it's two hours away let's just sign there and I knew I, I, I went through the roster and I knew that I had a good chance to make the team and uh, stick so uh, we just told, told, uh, uh, out of a whim we just told, chose Atlanta um, how'd you like playing for Bob Hartley? I didn't mind Bob. He yeah. gets uh, Bob gets a bad rap once yeah. in a while for his uh, his style, but listen, he was he was very honest with me. Um, when he scratched me, he'd just tell me how it is. Yeah. Like I'd be pissed off. I'd be pissed off if he scratched me. He's like, "Bolts, I gotta play this guy for X, you know, for this reason or that reason." And sorry, you're the odd guy out. I'm like, well, at least he's not bullcrapping me, right? So. Um, but no, he's he's a guy that loved the fights, so he definitely respected me and uh, 
we had a, we had a good relationship. That's good. I mean, it's really all you can ask for. You know, there are a lot of you know coach player relationships that that are are not good, and uh, like you say, he gets. You know, he's one of the guys that you hear some people complaining about, but I'm happy to hear that you guys had a good relationship because, you know, I always I always like when coaches respect the guys that do the job that, that you did and a bunch of guys did, so that's actually good to hear. Um, so preseason, so you went after the uh, Southern teams, uh, tougher players. You had a fight with Grant McNeil of the Panthers and a rematch with Darcy Hordachuk, who was a national predator at the time. Uh, do you remember those scraps? Yeah, I do. Another good one with Hardy. Mm-hmm. Um, I said before he was a uh, always had problems with them. He had uh, he chucked him fast. He had heavy hands, and he was a gamer. Um, but I knew I knew that one was coming again. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a game in Toronto where you hit Eric Lindros, and uh, Ty Domi and Wade Belak were were not happy with that. Uh, can you take me through through the incident there? Um, yeah, I think something might have happened in Toronto, uh, maybe a couple weeks before, or I might have did something that ticked the media off or did, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, I hit Lindros in the corner in, uh, in my zone when the puck was coming around. I thought it was a clean hit. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it looked clean. Yeah. And all the announcers are going crazy. And obviously Lindros with his, uh, concussion problems, he would, you weren't supposed to hit him, right? <laughs> yeah, so, right. So they were in an uproar, and then Domi came in and cross-checked me in the face, and the gloves came off, and Garnet actually grabbed him, and I was swinging at the bottom of the pile, and Wade Belak uh, tries to get at me, and me and Belak uh, kind of get over the pile, and I'm trying to get away from the ref. And, uh, it looks like I throw the ref to the ground, but I really didn't. We kind of just fell over, and... yeah. The announcers are like, "Oh, Bolton's going to the minors. He keeps this up, and uh, like he just—he's going to get suspended. He just threw the line. He decked the linesman, and um, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was one of many with Toronto. Actually, yeah, we had a pretty—we had, had a little rivalry against them. Hey, you know what? If you're going to have a rivalry with a team, with the way the media attention is with the uh, Maple Leafs, it's not a bad team to have the rivalry with because you know everyone's going to see it. Yeah, I was. Uh, I wasn't well liked there. That way. <laughs> uh, so you were suspended. Now I didn't. I don't think I saw this, but I saw you got suspended six games for elbowing Paul Ranger. So I guess my question is, did you elbow him six games worth? I mean, did you get your suspensions worth, or was it a bit excessive? I definitely elbowed him. Mm-hmm. It was unintentional. It was obviously my fault. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to hit him. He side sidesteps me, and I'm just I reach out just to get a piece of him. Yeah, and I ended up getting him right on his jaw. Oh, okay. And it was yeah, so it was my bad, um, unintentional. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're going 100 miles an hour, and you just try to not to miss your hit and look stupid. So you just try to get catch a piece of him, but end up uh, he ended up having like a hairline fracture fracture on his jaw. And, oh, okay. Um, you know, we fought the suspension, but it was it was worthy. I mean, I did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, in another game against Carolina, um, Mellonby laid a pretty good hit on Jesse Bolleries, and then Bolleries went after Mellonby, and, and you did you did your job, and you stepped in uh, for uh, for Scott, and you had the, another unbelievable fight with Jesse. Uh, do you remember that whole sequence? I do. Yeah. I had uh, 
the old veteran Scott Mellonby was their captain at the time, and he uh, he got me in a few fights actually, but I had to uh, yeah. I had to uh, stick up for Mel. Yeah. Um, what a what a leader, what a character guy, and he you know I knew I had to uh, get in there and fight Jesse. Yeah. Uh, this season also, uh, you fought your former uh, teammate Andrew Peters. Uh, now, is that something maybe you went and looked for, or is it just something that happened? Oh, I definitely looked for it for yeah. sure. <laughs> That's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. And then the, uh, your last fight of the season was with a guy that I'm a, I'm a very big fan of. It was actually here at Nassau Coliseum. Uh, you fought Eric Goddard, and, and actually that was the first time you fought him, I believe. And you actually did really well, uh, really well against the, uh, Eric. You landed some pretty monstrous uppercuts. I don't know. I think it was along the boards too. I don't know if you remember that one. I do remember that because yeah. once again we had the uh, the same agent. My agent had all these tough guys yeah. coming up, so it was pretty funny. So I was familiar with him. I knew he was really tough. Yeah. I think I think I snuck an early uppercut in on him that hurt him. Yeah. Um, and I just kept on throwing them, and every one landed. So yeah, I did well. I did well in that fight. Um, we had some fights later on in our career. I didn't do too well against him, but he was that's another guy that was. Whew, yeah. He was uh, he was a tough tough man. Oh yeah, it was uh, as a fan. It was nice having him and uh, Karen's here as a tag team for a little bit. That was a pretty intense tag team we had here uh, on the island. It was pretty fun uh, for someone like yeah. myself. So. And a great, great character guy too. Yeah. What a, what a great human being he is. And actually, uh, I have it at next season. Uh, Eric had moved on to Calgary, and uh, you had your rematch with him there, and that was a pretty good war too. Uh, I don't know if you remember that one. I do remember that. I got my jersey caught. I was trying to get my arm out of my jersey, and I got caught halfway. And he, I mean, you watch the tape. He yeah. got me pretty good on the side of the head a few times. Yeah. Now. Uh, you fought Colton Orr this season. I think that uh, may have been the first time you fought him. Uh, and in the first fight, I think he got the better of you, and then you went for a rematch. So I'm assuming that you, you sought him out for the rematch. Yeah, the first time we fought, um, I had him kind of bent over, and I was trying to chuck a couple uppercuts, and he just threw a wild one over the top and just caught me right on my chin, yeah. and I bambied. Yeah. And uh, pop right back up, but I knew like that was the that was the first fight of many against yeah. him. Mm-hmm. We uh, after that, uh, every fight was uh, pretty much even. We yeah. had uh, some a lot of respect for that guy. He was probably one of the heaviest hands I fought, if not the most heavy hands uh, in the NHL at the time. The Thrashers, you were part of the uh, I believe it's the only playoff run. That the team had, um, so Atlanta's not a traditional hockey market, but uh, there are. I think the the fans down, you know, I think the Southern fans sometimes get a bad rap. And you played in different leagues down south, but the hardcore fans that love hockey down in the southern cities, I mean, they really love it. And uh, what was that like uh, being a part of the Threshers playoff run? Uh, I mean, it was unbelievable. It- I mean, there is hockey fans down there. There's a yeah. lot of Canadians actually in Atlanta mm-hmm. that, uh, that moved down there. There's there's a ton of hockey fans. They just they were sick of losing, and we I think we made the playoffs once in 12 years. So um, with all those other sports sports going on, you know, the Tuesday night casual fan he's not going to 
you know, Phillips Arena to watch uh, the Thrashers. So uh, on weekends, we had good crowds. And obviously, when we made the playoffs, I mean, the city was rocking. The place was packed. Um, uh, yeah, it was it was a good time, good experience. They, uh, like I said, there's there's fans down there. It's, yeah. it's a shame they don't have a team. Put that way, they 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 should have a hockey team. Now, uh, unfortunately, the the series didn't go uh, Atlanta's way. Uh, you had 24 penalty minutes. You played four games, and 22 of those penalty minutes came in one game. Uh, do you remember how you earned those 22 penalty minutes? I actually don't remember. Yeah. I don't think it was a fight. I, I just uh, I, I noticed they probably they, they probably threw me out at the end of the game just to yeah. get because you know if we were losing we probably trying to stir things up. They, they yeah. were probably ten minute misconducts or yeah. something. Uh, so now you go to the next season. Uh, I mean, you had a seventy four games, hundred twenty seven penalty minutes. You led the team. Um, you had an early season fight with Chris Neal, and it seemed after a certain point. The fight was still going on, but he's yelling. He was like yelling at the officials, like waving his arms, that they didn't break it up. But it was an odd thing to see because it wasn't like at the end of the fight, where at the end of a lot of fights, where you see the officials come in. It just seemed like an odd thing for him to do. Do you remember him doing that? Was that in Atlanta? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah. So, um, I've had many runs in with Chris. He's another guy with a cement head that you couldn't hurt. So. <laughs> I, I teed up on him that one fight. I hit him so many times, square in the face, and he was just smiling at me. Yeah. Um, that's just the type of guy he was. He's uh, he's a tough guy, but um, I think he might have been a little bit mad that uh, I got the better of him in that fight. So that's probably he was chirping the refs or something. Yeah, like I said, it was just weird because he was very, like, the fight's still going on, and he's, like, waving, you know, waving his arms around, like, wanting them to break it up. But, yeah, I mean, I guess if he was winning the fight, probably wouldn't have uh, wanted the refs to jump in. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, he was he, he was a guy that had unbelievable balance. Yeah. And, um, you know, a rock head that you couldn't hurt that would just throw both hands. He was, uh, he was a tough guy, man. Yeah. Uh, very underrated for sure. There was a game against Buffalo where it, you ended up in, a, in an incident with Nolan Pratt and Jason Palmerville. Did something happen yeah. where, you, where you just snapped? What was, uh, what was behind that? Well, like I said, when you go, obviously when you play your former team, you're all fired up. Yeah. And that game, I felt, I mean, I had my legs. I was just flying around. I was hitting, hitting guys, and I had to chip my shoulder. And I had, I don't think I had anybody on the ice that could do anything about it in that game. Not um, those two. <laughs> no. So like, I kind of hit. Uh, we still, me and Palmer still laugh about it today. But mm. I give uh, Palmer a little shot in the, in the boards and. Pratt comes in, and I drop in. Palmerville comes over, I take a swing at him, and then my old roommate uh, Brian Campbell comes in, and I gave him a, a few <laughs> shots too. So it was He's, just that uh, you, it was just that you were fired up, is what you're saying? Oh yeah, I was just fired up. Just you know, you go back to play your old team. Yeah, I got you. That uh, was pretty funny though. Uh, later that season, another amazing fight with Eric Goddard. Um, you know, you've already spoken about him. Uh, you fought Jeff Cowan of Vancouver. You did very well in that fight. Uh, do you remember fighting Jeff? Yep, I remember that. Um, I think we might have fought in the minors. Uh, was he in Fred? Was he in? Uh, was he in Fredericton before? I don't think so, but I could be wrong. Because Fredericton, I think, was gone by that time. All right. Well, I think I fought in the minors before too, but. 
Yeah. Yeah. I uh, he, listen. He was another. He was a middleweight trying to uh, sustain the weight too. Yeah. So um, ended up doing really well in that fight. Now, next season, uh, yeah, you played for Coach John Anderson, who um, he he's a guy that you know some guys they get certain breaks and everything. John Anderson is a guy who paid his dues in the minors, coaching at I think many different levels. Um, did you get? Did you like playing for John? I loved playing for John. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was he just the nicest guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe to his downfall, maybe a little too nice yeah. at times. But uh, you know, if you're if you're a character guy and you want to go through the wall for him, then mm-hmm. you'll play the right way. And, um, I just don't think we had enough guys on the team that would um, play that way. So yeah. they kind of took advantage of him a little bit. Maybe he could have been a little bit harder on the guys. But uh, what a great guy and um, a good coach. Yeah, when I when I was doing research for this and uh, watching the videos and they showed him on the bench, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that was his first NHL gig. And you know, I just remember him. Just like I said, paid his dues in the minors for sure. Guy was a great hockey player when he played, uh, you know, back in the day. And I was yes, like, he, he was. Yeah, and like I just for a second, I'm like, oh, I feel pretty good. You know, this is a guy like he, he just a perseverance that that he had where he never. I'm sure. I mean, coaching. I think you have to love it to do it because the hours are are pretty intense and everything. And when I saw him in the video, I'm like, oh, it's pretty cool. I forgot he got his uh, opportunity with Atlanta, so that was good to see. And I'm glad, like you say, you enjoyed playing for him. Oh, um, yeah, he was great. Yeah. He was great. So, again, we got some familiar names on your card here. Uh, early season fight with uh, Colt Nora. Again, like you say, your fights were just wars. Um, you had a two-fight game against the Bruins. So fighting Doherty, I guess, wasn't enough. You wanted to fight Doherty and Milan Lucic. You remember that fight? But with the whole game, you know, fighting those two guys in one game is not easy. No, I remember that. Um, yeah, me and Doherty had a good one. Then I think Lucic, uh, he was an up-and-comer yeah. at the time. And, uh, you know, he made a name for himself pretty quick. I think he finished the head on me, and I kind of chased him down the ice a little bit. And he, he obliged and... Uh, Ended up getting down the ice. Uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a long fight. Yeah. But, um, I lucked out in that one because he's a, he's a tough dude. Yeah. Well, this is a. After that, there was a guy that you ended up having quite a few run-ins, and I think this was the first time. Uh, Mike Rupp, who was with New Jersey, uh, and in this game, you had a few run-ins with him, and and there was a, at one point in the game, it appeared that you guys were having a heated exchange af- after the first fight. And uh, but I couldn't read your lips that well in that one. Uh, do you remember what what you were so pissed about? Yeah. So I think we fought. Was that a two fight game? Yeah. Yeah. So the first fight, I believe, when I went down on the ice, he came down on top of me, um, and shattered my nose with an elbow. Oh no. Okay. So that that's what I thought. Yeah. And, uh, to this day, um, he's like, no, I didn't mean to do that. I just came down on top of you. So he called me like that. He knew I was pissed. So he called me the next day and apologized. And uh, so we were good. Yeah. Um, but that's why I was so fired up. And then we ended up, I went right after him to, to fight him again. Mm-hmm. Uh, two other guys that you fought this season, uh, you had a couple of, I mean, every fight this guy has, it seems like it's slugfest. Uh, Riley Cote of the Flyers, you had two 
really good slugfest with him. You remember fighting Riley? Yeah, definitely. He was uh, he was another guy, a young guy, trying to make a name for himself, and he he was uh, he was doing well in his fights. He was he was beating some guys up. Yeah. Um, so he's another guy that I asked to fight um, in Philly, and he's like, "No, I can't." I'm like, "Come on, please!" And he did it. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently, you just have to say please. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we had me and him had uh, uh, a few good uh, tussles there in Atlanta. Uh, and then the last fight this season I want to ask you about, uh, a guy that played one season here with the Islanders. He had a really, really good season here, but at this point he was with Tampa, and that's uh, Zenin Kanopka. He's another guy with tremendous stamina. He doesn't like to stop. And uh, you remember having your first fight with him? Yeah, I do. He was uh, – Kanopka was one of those guys you, you, you hated, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's, uh, he, he's a pain in the butt out there. So, <laughs> um, uh he was uh, another guy, not that big, but he was a smart fighter, and he could take a punch, so he'd hang on and drive you crazy and try to get loose, he'd hang on. and um, Yeah, it's not uh, not too much to write home about, about that fight, yeah. but it was, uh, it was a long one. He definitely yeah. hung in there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I, I, the rule that I made for myself with this show is that uh, when the, the guy I'm interviewing fights a guy who played with the Islanders, I, you know, even if it wasn't a great fight, I still have to ask him. You know, like I said, yeah. Z, Z was here only one season, but over 300 penalty minutes. That was a fun season uh, as a fan, so uh, so I had to ask you about that. Um, moving on to the next season, uh, it's funny because I, I, in the notes that I made, it's, it's you see the same names over and over again. You know, this season, again, Sean Thornton, again, Eric Goddard. Um, we also fought Andrew Peters two more times. He had moved on to New Jersey. Uh, so, was... I know the last time you fought him, you said you were looking for it. Uh, were you looking for it again? Is this the kind of thing where every time you played him, you wanted to fight him? Or at a certain point, did it just become uh, something that happened in the course of the game? Yeah, the, the revenge thing was, was kind of over at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, me and Peter are friends today. We have yeah. a good relationship. Even even when we played, um, I was rooting for him. And, uh, like I said, we're still friends today. So it was more of... Uh, just doing our jobs. There was nothing uh, uh, particular about those fights. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving on to the next season, and I'm glad we got to this one because I have to ask you about something uh, that uh, I read in an old hockey news article. But before we get to that, uh, as I said, when you fight an, an ex-Islander, um, and this guy ended up being your tag team partner here for a little bit, uh, your first fight of the season was against uh, Matt Karkner, tough guy. Uh, and I think that was, I don't know if you fought him any other times, maybe once more, uh, but what was it like fighting Matt? So he was, uh, considered like one of the toughest guys in the league at that point. Yeah. And, uh, we're really good friends to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously playing together in Long Island, but yeah. he, um, the first fight we had, it ended quick. Um, he got the jump on me and he cracked me with one and I went down mm-hmm. and, um, I think it might've been. You know, maybe a month later, we went to Ottawa, and I, I was I was a little bit more ready for the fight. And if you know if you know Karks, if you grab his right arm, he'll throw left. If you grab his left arm, he'll throw right. So, yeah. um, I kind of tied up his uh, his right arm, got situated, and I started uh, throwing my rights. And he went lefty, and um, I got uh, I got lucky on him and uh, cracked me a few times, and, and he went down. So. 
we uh we still joke about that one mm-hmm. yeah no it was and like i said speaking for myself and i'm sure a lot of islander fans having you two guys here and and it's really a credit to both of you guys because you know as we'll touch on later um the game was in the middle of the transition where it was kind of going away from that and the fact that you and Karks ended up playing as long as you did is really a credit to both of you and i'm happy that you were both here uh, with the Islanders, you guys were a nice little combo there for uh, for a few seasons. It was a lot of oh. fun watching you guys. You have no idea what it's like to have Matt Harker on the fence. Yeah, <laughs> as, this, mm-hmm. as the other heavyweight on the team. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, such a good feeling, and uh, what a great teammate uh, he was. Good friend to this day. Yeah. He's uh, he was as tough as they can. And he had, oh, yeah. we worked out together in the summers. We boxed together. He uh, he had some heavy hands. So did did uh, did Matt know how to work out, or did you have to show him like you showed Greener? Well, if you ever see Cars with his shirt off, he, uh, <laughs> you know that guy's like a physical specimen. Yeah. he's freaking ripped. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, no, uh, no, no issues there. <laughs> so another guy you fought, another former Islander, another tough defenseman, John Erskine. Uh, I mean, again, similar to that Denny Lambert fight where you guys were just literally throwing cinder blocks. This fight, you guys really—I I think I had my jaw dropped when I was watching this fight. Just you really, both of you look like you were trying to take each other's heads off. Do you remember that fight against Erskine? Oh, definitely. He—he's uh, a—he's a big guy too, and he's so wide open. He just throws from down under. He just tries to rip your head off with every every punch. And I was doing the same thing. We just let it go, and uh, it was—I think it was fight of the year that year. I'm not surprised. But, uh, <laughs> not surprised. Yeah, no, we just we just stood back and tried to punch his other face off. It was great. Uh, does the date December eighteenth, twenty ten, mean anything to you? No, fill me in. <laughs> you happen to have an NHL hat trick. Now, oh, is that the date? That's the date. I should, I should know that. Well, you know it now. I mean, when you think about how many players who've played the game and how many players who have never scored a hat trick. Uh, and you know the funny story is whenever you hear about an athlete like a pitcher talking about oh I felt like shit in the warm up and then they go out and throw a no hitter uh, was there anything different about that day like that I mean it's not often that a tough guy scores a hat trick and there you go scoring a hat trick against New Jersey Do you, I mean you have to remember that whole game I would imagine oh I definitely remember that um that was the year I was playing with Jim Slater and Chris Thorburn, and we had uh, a really effective fourth line. Mm-hmm. And uh, Craig Ramsey was a coach at the time, and he he played us. I mean, he was putting us out there against Crosby's line and Ovechkin's line. We were kind of like a checking line. So that was like the first year that I got a, a, a bigger role. I was playing a lot of minutes, and um, he trusted us. So we were out there all the time. So uh, we had success, and um, – you know, obviously, if you watch the hat trick, it's the prettiest hat trick you ever see. It's pretty entertaining, actually. But um, all three goals are scored from the exact same spot, uh, right on the goal line. But um, no, it was just hard working, effective, grinding out hockey. And I got lucky there at, uh, in the last one when uh, Moose Hedberg misplayed the puck for the for the third one. Now, after you get your second goal, now everybody knows that. You know the the enforcer, the tough guy. He's always one of the more popular guys in the room. And 
when a, when an enforcer gets two goals in a game, you know the whole bench wants you to get that third goal. So was that was it similar a similar situation after you score that second goal? Is everyone on the bench trying to say we got to set you up for the hat trick? No, I think it was the opposite. I think it was <laughs> he got one. He got lucky on a second. There's no way he's getting third, three. So my my family was all at the game. Um, I think uh, my wife and my two older kids were at the game. Mm-hmm. And after I scored my first goal, she would always take the kids home early because they were little, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So after my first goal, she's like, all right, we can leave now. So she's getting she's getting in the uh, in her car in the parking garage, and she's listening to it on the radio. And I score the second goal, and the kids are like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you <laughs> we left." Yeah. She's like, "Well, all right. Well, he's got two. There's no way he's getting another one." So, on the car ride home, it's like a 45 minute uh, ride home. I, I score my hat trick. So, um, it's pretty funny that they left, but we joke about it today. Well, the picture that's uh, online of you sitting in your locker with the pucks and all the hats behind you, that is a classic picture. I hope you have a copy of that. Oh, I do. Yeah, I do. That's a great picture. Yeah. Uh, all right, so this is what I wanted to ask you about. Uh, I believe it was Chris Thorburn told this story. It's about a game called Stupid Monkey. and uh, Stupid Money. Oh, Stupid Money, right. Yep, Stupid Money. And... He referenced a dinner one night at a Philadelphia steakhouse. Do you know the story that he was talking about? Yes, I know it well. Could you could you tell everybody? Well, the stupid money um, started in Buffalo, actually. Okay. Or like Chris Gratton and J.P. Dumont and these guys, they'd, uh, they'd dare me to do things for money, and I'd do it, and they'd pay me. And I was like, heck, right? I played in the East Coast League a year and a half ago. I'm going to do whatever I can for a couple extra bucks, right? So, um, so that's that's where it kind of started. But there was uh, the one Thorburn's talking about. It's uh, like Thorburn, Kovachuk, and those guys were at dinner and we're at a steakhouse. And I went to uh, the bathroom. And I came back, and this particular steakhouse had like a big baskets of uh, old baked potatoes that were raw. This one was bigger than a wine bottle. So I take it and I slam it on the table. I'm like, "How much, boys?" And they're uh, they're like, "I got a hundred. I got a hundred. I got a hundred. I'm like, "Okay, I'm doing it." So um, I ate a massive raw potato. Um, took me 45 minutes to eat it. But, uh, that's that's what he's uh, referring to. The stupid money. Yeah, and then is it true that after that gigantic raw potato, you downed a 40 ounce steak also? <laughs> Yes, that is true. God, you're my hero. That's amazing. So is that <laughs> you can't let it go to waste? No, of course not. Better, I have to eat it. So is that so? Is the giant potato the craziest thing you've ever eaten in this game? Since obviously it, it it's something that if you didn't start it, you perfected it. So if you played it multiple times, was there anything crazier than the giant potato? Oh, uh, there was a million of them. I mean, I would, I'd be the inner if I wasn't playing that night at the pregame meals at the hotel. Mm. You know, for entertainment at lunch, the guys would be daring me to do stuff. So, I mean, there was there's plenty of them. I would eat these huge, uh, like trays full of fruit. Um, not a big deal to eat fruit, but it was a lot of it. It took yeah. me a long time. They'd all they'd all chip in or like eating 
18, 18 hard boiled eggs in 10, 10 minutes, like stuff wow. like that. They were just, even the coaches were watching, they were laughing. <laughs> you know, you, you know, it's a long season, so, yeah. you know, if I'm not playing that night and I can uh, entertain the boys and take their mind off the game a little bit and relax them and make a couple of extra bucks, it was worth it. That's tremendous. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So, but that was that was like every other day. I mean, yeah. it got to a point where got to a point where I had to stop. <laughs> so so similar to when you you fight all the thrashers and then you end up fighting, or you end up signing with Atlanta. Excuse me. Uh, you scored a hat trick against New Jersey, and then uh, do you think Jersey signed you to be a power forward, or how did you end up signing with them? Uh, well, my first meeting with Lou, he made that sure. Uh, to be known that we're not signing you for, because you're a goal scorer. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Lou. That was his first sentence out of his mouth. Yeah. Uh, no, I just, uh, you know what? I had a good game against them. Uh, I always played well against Jersey. I always fought their tough guys. And uh, Lou flew me in for uh, a meeting to uh, to interview me to see if he wanted to sign me. And had a two-year uh, two-year contract after the after the meeting with him. Um, Obviously, Lou is uh, a guy that loves his uh, physical players, and uh, I fit in. And then um, ended up only playing one season there and getting uh, – they bought me out the next year, and that's how I ended up in Long Island. Well, the season with New Jersey, you played with uh, two characters. One guy who he's pretty prominent now in the podcast game is Cam Jansen. And, uh, oh, yeah. Cam actually uh, – he just had uh, Lou on his show. And it was it was funny listening to him talk about uh, getting Lou on the show, and he just basically said he goes, you know, basically felt like a little kid again, and he was so nervous to have Lou on the show. And oh, he was probably scared to death. Yeah, he had, he said he was. He said he was petrified to have him on the show, and even when you listen to it, uh, you could tell it was just you know the thing about Lou is obviously being in the area, you know, Long Island with Lou with the Devils, we got all their games and. They're always in the papers, and I, I mean, it almost seems like there's not a better guy to have in your corner. Like if Lou loves you, that's a guy to have love you because he just seems like he looks out for you and takes care of you. I mean, yeah, you said it to a T. He's a he's an absolute loyal guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he respects the guys that go to work and do the right thing every day. And um, you do your job, he'll uh, he'll reward you. So it's definitely a. Uh, one of those guys that are still loyal in the game. It's good because, you know, there are so many guys who can be tough on players, but they do it in a certain way where there seems to be some animosity. And I, to a man, every time I hear someone that played for Lou, they always say the same things. He was tough, but he was fair, and I knew he had my best interest in mind. And, I mean, like I said, like we talked about with Hartley, where at least he was honest with you, I guess playing for a guy like Lamarillo who – he basically tells you like it is. He's tough but fair. There really isn't much more you can ask for. No, that's a, that's what every player wants. Yeah. It's just honest honesty and um, know where you stand. You don't want to be second-guessing yourself uh, the whole year long. And uh, He was a straight shooter and obviously very respected in the game and for uh, a lot of reasons. And um, like you said before, um, He's a loyal guy. He knows what he's doing. You got to trust the process, and he's all about team, team, team. Uh, the individual is uh, is out of the equation, so that's why he's uh, had the success. Your first fight that year, 
uh, was a really good fight against a guy named Doug Murray of the Sharks. You remember that one? I do. I broke my hand on his big head. Did you really? Yes, I I missed like two months that year because I cracked him so hard, and he played. He ended up playing like 19 minutes that game. Oh wow! Oh, well, I yeah, didn't know he, that. He, okay. he he has a hard head. Wow. Okay. But uh, yeah, I got. Uh, I ended up knocking. Him. It looked like I knocked him out, but he got right up. And I ended yeah. up uh, playing the rest of the game, but I had a broken hand, so I missed uh, missed some time there. Well, when you came back, uh, you know, Devils. It's always weird because I think you know they have a good rivalry with the Rangers, but they have, the rivalry with Philadelphia is pretty good too. And there was one night center ice at the Rock. You and Jody Shelley went at it. You remember that one? Yep, I remember that one. Yep, another Maritimer, another yeah. awesome guy. That mm-hmm. uh, you know what? That guy came a long way. When you look at him and uh, back home, and when he was playing midget hockey, the guy could barely skate. Yeah, he just he just worked and worked and worked and. Another character guy that worked his way up and did what he had to do. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, he's got to be an icon in Columbus, I would imagine. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, he he uh, he uh, makes that home now. He's obviously doing the the TV stuff. He's done well for himself. I'm very happy for him. So there were a couple of incidents uh, this season with the Rangers. So um, at MSG. We got a double main event here uh, to start the game. We got uh, you fighting Brandon Prust, who you had fought already, I think, once before. And uh, Cam Jansen's fighting Mike Rupp. So uh, this was the first of two uh, brawls you had with the Rangers that year. Do you remember the first one where you went with Prust? I do. Um, the, the Devils, that year, we just, we just hated each other. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, me and Cam knew uh, we had to set the set the tone for the for the year, and um, everyone just hates the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You just want to beat them. You want to yeah. beat them up. You want to beat them on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always extra mo- motivation when you play them, and uh, that just so happened. I, we didn't have that planned or anything. We just yeah. dropped the gloves at the same time. That was definitely not planned. So end up being uh, simultaneous. And then uh, your last fight of the season also was at MSG. This was the the line brawl. Um, you and Cam actually switched partners. Uh, you ended up with Rupp. He ended up with Prust. And uh, Carter fought Bickle in that one also. So was this one planned, or again did it just happen? Or uh, once again, not planned at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew we were starting. Yeah. Um, we sent our lineup in first, and then uh, they come back with those guys. So. Once we get out there, I'm like, okay, um, I'll take Pross, you take Rupp. Yeah. They had the, they wanted the other way around. They wanted me to fight Rupp and Pross to fight Jansen. So if you look at it, we're, we're trying to situate before the puck drops, and we're going back and forth. We keep switching back and forth, and finally the rest like, come on, guys. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm fighting Rupp. Mm-hmm. So um, Ryan Carter was our center, we had no idea that Bickle was taking the draw. I had no idea. Right. Uh, I was more concentrated on my guy. Yeah. And then um, I look over and we're all squaring off. So uh, Carter had no idea what he's getting himself into either. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said you signed two years with Jersey. They bought you out after one. Um, and the reason why you're on the show, uh, well, two reasons. One, obviously, because you're, you're tough as nails, tough as everything. But... The one requirement to be on the show is you have to have some tie to the Islander organization. 
and after your one year in New Jersey, you ended up signing with the Islanders. So, uh, who who did your agent know that uh, talked with the Islanders to get you over here? Uh, he called Gar Snow the next day, and Snowy said, "I'll sign him. To, I'll sign him right now." So, um, I thought it was done after getting, you know, being at my age and um, getting bought out. I thought it was done, and then yeah. Snowy took uh, a chance on me, which I'm uh, will always be grateful for. Um, and the rest is history. I kind of made the uh, Long Island home. Yeah. Well, that first season, 15 games, 36 penalty minutes. Even it, even though you only played 15 games, you're still fourth on the team in penalty minutes. So 2012-13 was a far cry from some well, of That was a lockout year, though. I know, but still, you're still fourth on the team. 15 games, that's good for me for a lockout year. Oh no! I'm not even talking about. I'm not even talking about the games. I'm talking about the fact that with only 36 minutes, you were still fourth on the team, and just how the game, oh, yeah. how the game had changed from when you first started, where you could get 36 minutes in a game, and now you're getting it yeah. in 15 games. But uh, but you played 15 games. You had four fights. Uh, Chris Barch. All all four fights were were pretty good showings. Uh, Chris Barch of New Jersey. Uh, you fought Asham again. He's wearing the bad guy colors now with the Rangers. Uh, George Paros uh, at Florida. Obviously, we will talk about the Montreal fight, but he was in Florida at the time. And another good scrap of Colt Nor. So uh, you made all your fights count that year. That's for sure. Yeah, I did. Well, the Barch, the Barch one was they signed him after they bought me out, so I was coming after him for sure. Okay. Uh, um, so that was kind of like a. You know, trying to make a statement there, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, and ran into Big George down in Florida. Ended up doing pretty well against him. I think he might have hurt his shoulder in that fight. I think he went down mm-hmm. uh, awkwardly there. But he was uh, he was a tough guy. And then obviously me and Colton Orr just uh, besides that first fight we had, every everyone was a you know punch in the face contest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and asked him, he just wanted to fight him because he's wearing that ugly uniform, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, Ash is just the guy that's a gamer. Oh. No. And you know what? You don't have to ask him twice; he'll fight you. Yeah. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't care. He's no, crazy. No. But no, uh, um, I don't even know how that one started. Actually, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't remember. But now, um, so that year it was pretty much you and, and Matt Carkner. Matt Martin was there. Um, next season. It was you and Karks again. Matt Martin's still there. There were uh, Brett Gallant had uh, had signed with the team, and uh, obviously I think he was signed to to play in Bridgeport, but he did play a few games with uh, with the Islanders. And uh, Justin Johnson, uh, actually, I think he's I think everyone will remember him for the uh, the John Scott KO. Uh, yeah, yeah. Even though John John Scott, I think, says he only lost one fight in his career, he doesn't count that one. I don't know why, but. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know, but uh, but that was a good scrap. So uh, you definitely weren't alone uh, that year, and like I say, you and Karkner are always a great tag team. But that was um, that was the uh, year that the best fourth line in hockey was assembled with uh, Marty and uh, Clutterbuck and Zizekas. So that was similar. I mean, for someone like yourself, you, you were on a similar line in Atlanta. Uh, what's your opinion on those guys and the, and the job that they do? I mean, they're the heart and soul of the uh, the team. If they're not if they're not going, they're not together. The team's not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, they can 
you know, they can start every period, they can finish every period, they can play against the top lines or fourth lines. They just they know their role, they accept it, and they uh, it's it's really. I mean, the other two, Clutterbuck and uh, Martin, are the are the big bangers on on the on the wings. But if you watch Casey Sizikas, his uh, his motor just doesn't stop, and he yeah. he he really is the heart and soul of the team. He drives the engine. And, um, can't say enough about all three of those guys. Uh, I'm currently doing a project for the show where I want to come up with like the ultimate top ten for the Islanders. And, I figured the easiest way to do that and probably the more fun way for myself is I'm going position by position, coming up with a top 10 at position. And while I'm doing my research, what I, I didn't know, and it's crazy, but Matt Martin actually has the fourth most fighting majors in the history of the team. I didn't know that, and I, I learned that when I was doing my research. So I, you know, forgot, and, and Marty's a guy that can play. I mean, he can play, take the regular shift, but... If you think about the history of the Islanders, he actually has the fourth most fighting majors with the, with the organization. Yeah, Marty. Marty's been there a long time. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and, and so go yeah, on. he's been there a long time. He does his job. Um, he's uh, he can play a regular shift. He can chip in. He's uh, very responsible defensively. Um, all. The word for all three of those guys is, you know, they're reliable, right? So you know what you're going to get from every shift in, shift out. Uh, that season, you had two pretty good fights with Jay Rosehill, who was with the Flyers at the time. Do you remember those fights? Yeah, I do. Um, ended up doing really well in the first one, mm-hmm. and um, he kind of was looking for the second one, and, and um, it was a toe-to-toe fight. Ended up slipping at the end, falling down, and kind of bugged me a little bit because he pumped his hands up like he yeah. beat me up or something but uh, it's all good but yeah, yeah he was uh, another guy that uh, was a, a tricky guy he yeah. uh, threw both hands he was, uh, he was a gamer too so this season was the season where you had the rematch with uh, George Paros that uh, worked out very well in your favor uh, probably I guess the signature fight you had uh, with the Islanders uh, you remember the whole sequence of events in the fight with George in the rematch yeah, I do. I, I wasn't getting in the lineup much uh, at that point. I was getting pretty old, so any chance I got in, I had to do something, right? So um, I asked George, and he uh, he obliged, and um, it was a good fight. You know, I, he's a big, big, long guy, so you have to, you know, weather the storm early. And um, he lost he lost his grip and uh, kind of turned his head, and I got uh, I got a good right hand in, in on him and um, knocked him down. So. It was a, uh, it was a good fight, but uh, didn't want to didn't want to make sure I uh, I hurt him. But uh, um, hats hats off to him. He had a great career too, and what a tough guy he was. So when you think back to early parts of your career, playing in some of those East Coast League arenas, um, and and you know working with the NHL, did you ever think you find yourself playing on the ice at Yankee Stadium? Now you didn't play in the game. But you did. You practiced on it. What What was that experience like? Because obviously, it's the biggest place you've ever played in. Uh, when you're skating on the ice and you look up and you're in Yankee Stadium, what's that like? Well, I did. Uh, I did pregame warm up out there. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we actually got scratched. Me and Cartner got scratched last minute. Actually, um, there was a particular player that they were trying to trade, so that they wanted to play him. And I kind of took it on the chin. I wasn't happy about that. But yeah. me and uh, Matt Carpenter were in the hot tub watching the game 
in the Yankees <laughs> locker room. So <laughs> not bad. Yeah, that was our night. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, I didn't know. I didn't, I wasn't sure if he, I knew you didn't play, but I wasn't sure if he'd taken the warm up. But I'm assuming for that game, uh, you know, a lot of times playing games and warm ups, maybe you get a few thousand people watching the warm ups. But I'm assuming for that game. The stadium had to have a pretty good crowd for the warm-up because it's just such a new experience for so many people. So you're taking the warm-up and you're looking around Yankee Stadium. That had to not, it had to be pretty intense, I would think. I mean, yeah, it was obviously in those outdoor games. The Yankee Stadium was the next level. So um, I kind of knew I was getting scratched that game, so I wasn't too gung-ho about it. But, you know, looking around, the size, the fans, uh, it was a great, great experience nonetheless a great atmosphere so now we get to the part of the interview that I really want to I mean obviously I wanted to ask you about all this stuff but there's uh, definitely something I wanted to ask you about um, in the playoffs that season there was an incident with Washington where uh, Tom Wilson basically cheap shotted uh, Lubomir Wisnowski uh, ran him head first into the boards ended his career uh, you weren't playing in the playoffs so next season comes around and in an exhibition game uh, you basically chased Tom Wilson around, and he wanted no part of you. So, um, he, I, I had respect for Tom Wilson before that, um, and if he would have fought you, not that I respect him for what he did to Lubo, but at least if he would have fought you and, and uh, answered the bell, I could respect him a little, a little more. Uh, for myself, I don't respect him at all, uh, and I'm not saying fighting you is a great thing to do either, because obviously I don't want to fight you, but. It's part of the gig, and if you're going to end someone's career when it's time to answer the bell, you have to answer the bell. And, um, you know, he didn't want to fight you. He, he, I think Scotty Mayfield went after him. He, he declined that too. And uh, I, I, after the game, one of the things he said is, I just don't think there's any point in me fighting those guys. Uh, Bolton didn't play it all last year. He's probably not going to play it all this year. I'm trying to use these preseason games to get ready for the year. I know there's always going to be that physical part of my game, but there's just no need for me to take that guy unless he's running around and taking advantage of our guys. Now, your quote, I think, was better. Uh, you said, he kept turning me down. He wasn't interested. He was scared to death. So, um, I, if you don't mind, like, take me through. So, you know that day you're playing Washington. You know you're going to be in the lineup, and you, you know what he did to Lubo. So, what's your mindset going into that game? I mean, retribution. Yeah. I mean, he had to be uh, held accountable. And um, I thought for sure after that that he would he would step up and fight. And when he did, and I was like shocked. And then I actually ran him a couple times. I knocked him over a couple times, and I was going after him the whole game, and he still wouldn't do it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Some of these young kids, they don't they don't get that. They don't yeah. get the, the code. Um, you're better off just to drop your gloves, throw me, you know, hang on, throw me down. At least you did it, right? At least you got it over with. Like, um, but yeah, I mean, everyone loved Lubo, great guy. To see him get injured like that and to see him taking liberties and, and not answering the bell was definitely, uh, definitely uh, got heated and we definitely uh, were ticked off at uh, Wilson and. You know, I had to do my job. I wanted to go out and uh, settle the score, and it's unfortunate he wouldn't do it. But um, I wanted to let him know, and uh, it is what it is. Well, some some guys some guys will some guys will stand up, and some guys won't. 
Well, as, as an Islander fan and a fan of the role, you know, I could tell you that I know we all appreciated you uh, trying to go in and, uh, you know, basically defend Blue Bow's honor and just be a great teammate. And I think the other part of the equation that annoys me about Wilson is he didn't want to fight you, he didn't want to fight Mayfield, but uh, he had no problem fighting Anders Lee. And I love Anders Lee. I mean, he's the captain and he's, he's hard-nosed, he's gritty, and he... You know, I think in, in today's NHL, he ends up fighting just as much as anybody on the team, I think, except for Ross. But when you wanted to fight, he couldn't be bothered. He couldn't do it. I mean, like, say, I think, you know, scared to death. He didn't want to fight Scotty either. But Anders comes calling, and he has no problem dropping gloves. And that that, that completes the equation for me, how, how the whole thing is just an irritant, because it's not that he didn't want to fight. He didn't, you know, he didn't want to be held accountable. He just didn't want to be held accountable to a guy that... You know, might take him to task. You know, it's easier to fight an Anders Lee than an Eric Bolton. And I mean, everybody knows that. But uh, you know, like I say, it's not like like guys that when you were coming up, you knew you, you'd have to answer the bell at certain points, and you couldn't, you didn't pick or choose who you fought. You know, you couldn't go. Well, I'm not going to fight the heavyweight. I'm going to fight the fifth toughest guy on the team. And uh, like you say, I think a lot of the younger guys they don't get it, and I think that's part of the reason why I don't respect them at all, and it's part of the reason why. I love Ross Johnson to death. I think he, you know, in a new school game, I think he plays old school style. Yeah, yeah, Ross definitely does. Ross yeah. gets it. Yeah. He's uh, another another Maritimer that, uh, had, uh, you know, an interesting uh, road to the NHL. And he, um, I mean, I played with him at Bridgeport my last year. I, was, I wasn't really playing down there, but I was kind of like, Helping the kids out, I'd wrestle him after after practice, and I've never I've never met besides Larock. I've never yeah. wrestled a stronger guy than him. He yeah. is a freak of nature. How strong he is! Yeah, and um, he's gonna be he'll be the toughest guy in the league for years to come for sure. The guy's well, an absolute monster. And and just to you know speak a bit on that, so you know everybody knows it's not like it used to be. There's only a handful of guys in the league that can kind of even make that claim. I think the guy that everyone kind of agrees on right now, that's the top dog, is Ryan Reeves. And what did Ross Johnson do the first? I mean, first time they played this past season in, at the Coliseum, Johnson's challenging him, challenging him, and Reeves, yep. just like, who are you, whatever. And then right away in the game in Vegas, they square off and they go. I mean, for someone like myself, I, like, I hope Ross plays here 10 years. Like, I love that kid. I'm, I'm so pumped that he's here. And but I'm also pumped that he actually gets it. Well, I think Ross gets it. I think Reeves gets it. I don't think a guy like Wilson gets it. And I just you know I feel so fortunate. Islanders always seem to come through with keeping a tough guy or two on the roster. And you know like my yeah. big my biggest fear right now is that Ross gets picked up by Seattle. I, I hope that doesn't happen. But uh, that's what I'm afraid of. But uh, I'm I'm usually wrong. So hopefully I'm wrong on this one too. Well, Ross has had some. Uh... Some good mentors too. He's had yeah. Karkner in Bridgeport. He's had Brent Thompson in Bridgeport. Yeah. He had, he's had me. He's had Eric Harris, uh player development. Yeah. And you know what? For if he doesn't do that, he's not going to play in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's a good hockey player. Yeah. He actually has good hands. He's responsible. He's good defensively. He uh, he actually can play the game. Yeah. Um, but what separates him from the next guy is how tough he is and yeah. uh, how intimidating he is. And so. Um, once he realized, okay, I got to do this uh, once in a while. I got to be that guy. He can contribute in all areas of the game. He can yeah. he can put the odd goal in. He's got uh, he's great 
coming out of his zone, getting pucks off the wall and making plays. And I'll tell you what, the guy can play hockey. He's just a big boy that can fight too. So how did the next season where you ended up playing six games, um, I mean, at the beginning of the season, did you end up talking with, with the coaches or whatever? And did they basically tell you, look, you're not going to play that much, but you know, listen, I, I think it really speaks a lot to your character and, and the player that you are, you know, not just on the ice, but off the ice and in the room that you were, you stayed on and you didn't play a lot of games, but every year you were here. And like I said, I think that's a credit to, to the character, your character, but did you, did they basically talk to you before every season where you weren't going to play that much and basically let you know that? I mean, yeah, at that point, I mean, yeah. I'm pushing, I'm pushing 40 at that point. So yeah. I would just go in, I would go in the office and talk to uh, Gar Snow one on one and be like, okay, what's the deal? I'll yeah. I'll do whatever it ta- I'll do whatever it takes to 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 stay in the NHL and stay on this team. I want to help any way I can. Yeah. So um, I'll whether I play two games or you know 50 games, um, I'm going to be ready every time you put me in. And yeah. I think I think he knew that. He think because there was a lot of seasons in my career where I did get scratched, but I always stayed ready. And there's not a lot of guys that can take 20 games off and throw you back in and, and do your job. So yeah. I was pretty good at that. So, um, and obviously just being uh, the ultimate teammate and being um, a character guy and keeping guys loose. And when you do get in there, do your job. And um, he really didn't have a reason not to sign me. Yeah. You know, um, it was uh, I was an easy extra guy to, to have around. If he needed toughness, he'd throw me in. If he didn't, I, I was happy just uh, – um, you know, not happy being scratched, but you know, yeah. I accepted it. I accepted it, and I didn't. Uh, I didn't make any waves. Now, of course, that season, like I said, you played six games. You have two penalty minutes, and of course, it, you got two penalty minutes going after Wilson again, right? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah, and again, he didn't want any part of it. So I guess it's just fitting that the final two penalty minutes of uh, your regular season penalty minutes of your career. Uh, were against Tom Wilson. I think that's comical because he still didn't want any part of you. Like you said, you push at 40. I mean, I've seen Tom Wilson. He's he's a big dude. He's in great shape, but still, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to take on the old grizzled veteran. Yeah, there, what so. what better time to fight when I'm 40 years old? <laughs> yeah, but uh, so the next season comes, and um, I guess your last fight, your last fight in an Islanders uniform, uh, fittingly for someone that played the role for so long. Uh, you were coming to the defense of a teammate in an exhibition game against the Rangers when you had a fight with Tanner Glass. Do you remember that? I do remember. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, he got uh, he, the early punching on me. He broke my. Uh, I think he broke my cheekbone. An early punch. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't even know it was broken until like two weeks later. But. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I remember that fight. Yeah. So was another Tanner was another guy that we all hated. We wanted to always to go after him <laughs> well i think that was your last fight correct you didn't have like say you got you got hurt in a fight and then uh how does it work out after the exhibition games that year where you end up uh in bridgeport uh you played two games down there one assist by the way so you scored in half your games um so how does that end up how does it end up where you're down there um you know what dis- what's that discussion well going in going into the uh negotiations if there's any negotiations at this point yeah. not really but uh, I mean Snowy kind of made it known he's like listen I'll sign you to two way you're going to be in Bridgeport you'll go 
uh, go down there. You'll practice with the team. You can. Uh, you're not going to play much. You're going to come back and forth. Uh, I want you to be with your family. Go back. I mean, that's the type of guy Snowy was. He took yeah. care of me. Yeah. Um, another loyal guy that you know I can't say enough about. And he was just like, go down there and uh, mentor the kids, and practice with them, and stay ready. And if we ever need you, we'll call you up. But uh, if not, just uh, kind of kind of like help coach kind of down there so yeah. it was uh it was it was a fun year so um that's the end of your playing career so now as you said you just moved back to buffalo before you went up to buffalo you were uh coaching the the junior islanders down here and i think you said you're going to take a similar role with the junior sabers but are you still uh are you still going to scout for the islanders yes okay. yes i'm still working for the islanders uh we made the move from Long Island um, just because we had uh, uh, my daughter's going to Bowling Green and uh, kind of came to a head there financially for uh, living on Long Island. So, yeah, um, yeah still going to work for the Islanders and uh, coaching uh, the boys up here in Buffalo. Nice, nice. So, uh, like I said, the first question I always ask everybody is who you were as a kid. Uh, the last question I ask everybody, uh, I know I do these long interviews, they're extensive. I ask you a lot of questions, your memory is, is pretty impeccable there. Um, is there anything I didn't ask you that, uh, that I should have or that, uh, that you want to say about your career? Um, I don't know, I'd say going back to my childhood when I was really young, I actually was uh, the kid that got picked on a little bit. So. Um, it wasn't until I probably uh, started fighting in hockey that I realized that, uh, you know, I can do it and stand up for myself. And um, it's a, no, nobody would ever think that uh, knowing me now, but, uh, you know, at my young, younger teen years, I was, uh, I was the guy that got picked on, but um, that's, uh, that's how that, that's all came about. But uh, no, just going over my career, you know, I'm obviously thankful to, uh, all the different coaches I've had over the years and starting in Buffalo and ending in Long Island it was uh, an amazing ride. I probably stayed in the NHL a lot longer than I should have, but um, you know, a message to the listeners was uh, just be a good teammate, good job, and shut your mouth and don't give them a reason to get rid of you, really. And, and if you're in the hotel, don't tell them. <laughs> What's that? I said, if they're keeping you in the hotel, don't tell them. Just keep staying in the hotel. Don't let them know. Oh, yeah. Don't make any waves. Don't even <laughs> let them know you're there. Well, <laughs> uh, based on what you just said, we have that in common because uh, I, I was actually also the kid that got picked on as a youngster and, and into my early teen years. That was, that was me also. So um, that's why I was, you know, you pass that on to people. I was passing it on to my sons. And uh, I say, look, you know, I didn't really know what to do in those situations. So uh, I just said, look, I, I've been through it. You know, when they were younger, now they're, they're teenagers. Uh, my oldest son is uh, he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be 20 um, but when they were younger I said look you know I don't want you to go through what I went through so if something happens I'm gonna back you up don't start it but finish it and fortunately I don't, I don't think they ever really went through anything too extended in that department but hearing you talk about how you were one of the kids that got pushed around and bullied it it, uh, it brought back some memories for me because I was the same way and I guess at a certain age, you just decide it's not going to happen anymore. No, definitely. Yeah. Um, 
I'm uh, unfortunately, uh, I have uh, my two boys are both uh, pure meatheads like myself right now, so <laughs> they they've got no issues in that category. So well, uh, I'm glad for that, but uh, yeah, you uh, obviously got to stand up for yourself at some point, and uh, there's no looking back after that. Yeah, well, listen, Eric, I, I've kept you for uh, over two and a half hours. I am uh, I'm grateful for the time, and uh, I, I can't thank you enough. And, and uh, uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, let me talk about your career and bring it to the people. And uh, thanks for ask, answering all my questions. I, I really appreciate you joining me tonight. Uh, I appreciate you having me on, and um, go Islanders. Yeah, all right, Eric. Have a great night, okay? And good luck up uh, back up there in Buffalo. All right, thank you. Have a good night. All right, you too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Eric Bolton is someone that I wanted to interview since the day I started this podcast. Uh, you know that uh, the incident with Tom Wilson and Visnovsky is something that I've talked about. Probably ad nauseum, unless you're an Islanders fan. But it is something that I feel very passionate about. I'm very passionate about the enforcer role and uh, the fact that Tom Wilson declined Eric Bolton on numerous occasions but decided to fight Anders Lee, uh, to me says a lot about the man and intestinal fortitude and character. And um, I've spoken a lot about it, and I was glad that I had the opportunity to speak to Eric about it, get his side of the story, although he was pretty uh, vocal, uh, flat out, plain and simple in, his, uh, in the newspapers shortly after those games. So it, I wasn't surprised uh, what he said, and uh, I'm glad he said what he said. And... Uh, it hasn't changed my opinion at all. Tom Wilson did not want to fight Eric Bolton. I don't care if he says that. He's too good to fight him. That's horseshit. But anyway, thank you, Eric Bolton, for taking the time to talk with me. I had uh, a blast going through your career. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to bring it to the people. Now, next week's episode is one that I am really looking forward to. Another guy that uh, I've had on my radar since I started the show. Uh, short-term Islander, but an Islander that holds a pretty significant record for someone like myself and fans like myself. And uh, that is Brian Curran. Uh, Brian Curran holds the Islander single-season penalty minute record with 356. And uh, he's someone that I, I've researched, and I haven't really seen a lot of his interviews. I haven't really seen any uh, either shorter form or long form like, like uh, mine will be. Uh, but I really can't wait to to dive into the uh, interview with uh, the colonel because uh, first and foremost, he will be the guy that his career started earlier than most of, uh, well, than all of my guests, really. Um, I mean, I have 1979-80 uh, season would be the first season that I'm going to ask him about. So, uh, and then he played, you know, the whole decade of the 80s where he, I mean, that is just a, a goldmine for, for fans like us with the guys that he played against and the guys that he fought. And, uh you know, I love the Colonel, and uh, I really can't wait to uh, can't wait to talk to him. And from what I hear, he likes to talk also. So uh, this is like a match made in heaven. So uh, once again, thank you, Eric Bolton, for joining me today. And uh, stay tuned next week for my interview with the Colonel. And uh, I hope everyone has a great week. Take care and stay safe. Mm -hmm.